Welcome back in Scream Queens, Horror Fiends, everything in between. Aubrey here back with another Killing Time podcast. And hey, Michael's back. I told you guys we were going to collaborate a lot more. Michael from We Love Horror is back. And we have an awesome list for you guys today. Um, Probably one of the most difficult lists I've done. In a long time, and I'm sure Michael would agree with this sentiment. So you guys are pretty lucky because you know what? I'm not even going to waste time. I'll tease it. We're going to have a part two to this. So yes, we are. <laughs> there's there's just too much. And if you're like, what are you guys going to talk about? It's we are going to talk about the episode today is going to be our top ten. Michael and I from We Love Horror. We're doing our top ten favorite horror movie directorial debuts. That is going to be a blast. Michael and I just recorded on his podcast and we did a lot of stuff as far as, you know, kind of his version of the Oscars and stuff too. And we're just huge fans of like film in general and like just how stuff is made and the work behind the cameras and stuff like that. So there wasn't a lot of people I wanted to do this list with me besides Michael. So I'm very happy he's obliging me and letting me, you know, do this and everything. Um, So I know this is a huge task to ask of you to try to cut it down to 10 that's why i was like hey we get, when you were like can we do 20 i was like yeah but let's split it up let's do two different episodes so i appreciate yeah. you doing that because content's always great man and anytime yeah. we get to record man i appreciate you coming on but michael how the hell you been man it's been a couple weeks since been on my podcast and everything i know we've kind of stayed in contact but how you doing yeah. tell the people I'm I'm good. I I've I'm happy to be back. I know you do a lot of work over there. We love horror, man, and you really grind. So I Thank appreciate you. you taking time, man. I really do. I appreciate you letting me, you know, come on and and discuss the topic that we're talking about today. And it, I think it's I like I like that you brought up that because uh, I literally like two hours ago called you. I was like, hey, answer your phone. I need to ask you something real quick. Because I was like um can i make a request and you were like yeah and i was like um okay so i'm making this list for you know the top 10 horror directorial debuts and i'm like this list is a lot harder than i anticipated because i thought i had my list and then i was like going back through my list and then i was finding other movies that i hadn't added to the list that i hadn't even thought of as like directorial debuts and then I started doing more research on other films because I was like, I wonder if that's a directorial debut because I know there's some directors on here that have directed movies before, like yes. horror. So I wanted to be sure. So I went back and actually like double, triple checked on certain directors. And I was like, oh my gosh, they, they've actually done like a, one horror movie or one of their first directorial debut was like a horror movie or something. So there were so many other ones. I asked you if we could do a top 20 and you were like, ooh, split it up into two which i'm totally fine with two because i'm like that gives us more content and well and i'll be honest i i I just happened to be out of the house i didn't have my notes in front of me i was just like and i was just like you i was like i know there's so many that i'm gonna forget if i don't like actually sit down and think about it because i think people like when we say this um and i'm sure michael will say the same but i'll let him you know say it for himself when i'm thinking direct horror movie directorial debut that means two things feature film they may have done a short i'm not considering that like a feature film and also horror movie like their first one you could have a director who's done 150 movies but their first you know the 151st is their first horror movie it's up for consideration we're not talking about their first movie they've ever done and it's a horror that's a different list that's totally different this is horror movie directorial debut so there's yeah. a lot of great people that dabbled in horror, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that. But that's how I kind of came up with my list. You know, it's just it got to the point where I was in the same boat as you, where I was like, 
I'm just going to keep pissing myself off. So I just, after I got 10 in there, that I was like, I guess this will work. I shut the notebook. And I was like, I, I just got to live with that one. So I'm glad we get <laughs> yeah. to do another one in the future because there's a lot I want to talk about. There's actually, there's actually so many. Uh, I mean, I could have made more than just 20 because I was still, I was still researching like movies and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, there's so many. So we could, I mean, we could do like three or four episodes just on this one topic. I don't care. I'm a huge fan of directing cinematography, like the stuff behind the camera. I so much enjoy watching film, but like, yeah, when I take in film, like when I'm watching it, like, I'm like, why did they do that? Why did they make this shot? Why are they tilting the camera this way? What's the point of this pan? What's that's how I view it. I'm not just like always following the story so yeah i love directing and i love like the artistry that comes with it because it's such a subtle and like really unforgiving thing like a lot of people yeah. really don't understand like how much goes into it and everything so it, it's going to be a fun list man i know i have yes. a couple on here that are just like lip service for aubrey and who loves killing time <laughs> podcast stuff but i i mean there's some on here that just are two mammoth of movies to not put on so I'm sure we're yeah. going to have a couple there of the same. So probably episode two, three, four, and so on and so on. Those are going to be a lot more fun because that's when it starts to get more into the nuance. More um, diverse. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> where it becomes more like, okay, 1A and 1B. Where like, <laughs> yeah. There's several on here that's like, okay, here's S tier and then everything below it. Right. So there's a lot on here that I'm super excited to get into. Um, but before we do, is there anything else you want to say to my audience here? Anything before we jump into our top 10, Michaels, that you can think of? Okay. Um, well, I mean, if you guys don't already know me, uh, hi, I'm Michael. I've been on here before. I, I will probably be on here quite often, I hope, if uh, oh, Aubrey yeah. will have me. But um, yeah, I'm from the We Love Horror Podcast. I'm just a weekly podcast and I just talk about various horror topics. I do top 10 lists similar to what Aubrey does on his. Um, sometimes I go in like full movie breakdowns. We talk about that. Uh, just like anything and everything horror, which is basically my tagline. So uh, you can find me on Instagram at the We Love Horror Podcast. I have a TikTok. Uh, I do have merch and a Patreon. So if you want to support me there. Uh, all my links are in my description on Instagram. And then I also started a YouTube channel. I was like, just about to say, man, ago. don't yeah. forget. Hey, you just started that YouTube. Uh, <laughs> I just did. Evil Dead Rise. Is that the newest video on their trailer? No, no actually, Scream 6 is my newest okay. tra trailer. I, I actually reacted to that when it came out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't blame you. I, I haven't watched it yet. I know we had talked about this, but I haven't yeah. watched the trailer yet because I know I'm going to go see it. And I don't want anything spoiled. Oh. So I, I know you have, like, you didn't tell me any details, but you just were very smitten with it. So. Yeah. That gets me excited. So I'm in love. I'm, I'm so excited for six. I made the analogy um, when we were recording that I kind of feel like Scream 5 or whatever you want to call it um, is kind of like going to be the Batman Begins of probably a really good trilogy. Mm. Um, it's not a bad movie. It's just I'm not going to go back to it because that's the character building. And I feel like these next couple we're going to get are just going to be like jump right in because we don't they yeah. don't have to explain the characters or anything because we know them we got that yep. first movie and we got that out of the way so very excited there and um, then we have uh characters returning which i'm really excited yeah, about we kirby. have gail we have kirby oh my god i'm so I'm happy super kirby. pumped for kirby I'm me too and, and, and the fact that they brought hayden pianetary back like that's that's a big deal that's well yeah that's michael and like he said you guys are going to get to know him very well we're collaborating a lot here lately and that's for good reason um yeah. i really enjoy you know, collaborating and everything there. So definitely you guys are going to get to know him. I know he said, if Aubrey lets 
me on and I scoff <laughs> at that because it's like, of course you can come on. I can really have anybody on here because I always love chopping up horror, but me and you are kind of at that simpatico level where it's just kind of like, and it's just like, hit record, let's go. So Exactly. It's, it's, it's like, so um, I know it's like Saturday, but uh, Sunday, I need you to come on for my episode. So uh, yeah, you're gonna ha- yeah. I'm going to give you 24 hours to prep and then you're coming on. So <laughs> and, and I say, hold my beer. And I'll yeah. So I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I totally, I totally, totally agree with that sentiment, but I really appreciate you doing the work on this list. I know it was very hard, not oh, only God. for myself, but for you. Um, but did you have any like specific criteria when trying to make the list? Like anything you were kind of looking for or like things that kind of like raised things on your list or like not like criteria that kind of knock things on your list or how'd you tackle this beast? Um, I think I did it the way that I normally did it. Like the no way I normally do it. So like I, I had the same criteria as you. I was, I uh, was kind of like, okay, feature films. Like if they're shorts, I don't feel like those count. Um, so I, I just did feature film horror debut. And then I also kind of made my list as far as like ones I like really enjoy, which I feel like is what I do a lot. Like, yes, a lot of them are high in quality, but like a lot of them I just also really enjoy. So it's like, it, it's also kind of a, a toss up between like quality and enjoyability for me. That's what I do when I make my list. It's like, is this a movie that I watch often or like multiple times in a year? Or is it a film that I can just put on any time and I'm always in the mood for it? That's kind of what my criteria is for when I do like top 10 lists and stuff. So I don't know. Some of the some of the um, picks on my list, people are probably going to be like, really? Or like they might be surprised because maybe they've never heard about these certain movies or some like some of them that are on my list or maybe they've never thought about, you know, putting them on a list. I don't know. So we'll see. It, it could be fun. I'm excited because I have some on here that I know that you're not going to have. So, well, and that's that's why I always love having you on here is because when I set out to do this podcast and when I started doing top 10 list, I'm not looking for like like the test answers i i want to know like what's best for you because yeah. everyone's different that's like one of my biggest things is like everyone has different tastes everyone has different things and so that's why i always love you coming on because you're not scared of hot takes we had that episode uh <laughs> like i said about a couple of weeks ago maybe three or four now you know we did our favorite horror franchises and least favorite so you know that it's hard to kind of tear stuff down but be respectful <laughs> but you did a very good job there and I know you're not scared of hot takes, which I enjoy too. I always love being as honest and as open with my taste, my views and stuff on film. So it's always fun to have somebody that has that like-minded thing and isn't just a yes man. Yeah, it was a very interesting episode because I know that I had two franchises on my least favorite that were on your most favorite. So I was like, "Mm." and we're still talking. (laughs) Yeah, we're still friends. See see how that works? You can agree to disagree and your life continues. Exactly. It's not the end of the world, people. As long as you're watching (laughs) horror, you're not wrong. That's right. There you go. Except Jeepers Creepers Reborn. If you like that movie in a non-ironic way, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) I'm questioning your taste a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) You just must be a huge fan of green screen if that's the case. (laughs) Bad green screen. Like 1990s (laughs) green screen. Because that was like there were I've seen video games that look better than that shit. So no i i fully agree i fully agree well michael <laughs> you've been on here before but i always like to ask my guest um i always like to ask would you like to start with your number 10 or do you want me to go first sir um i can start with mine if that's Hell cool yeah. with you i shall allow it sir all right so um my number 10 the very bottom and this is in no way like saying that this movie is bad the only reason i have this as my number 10 is because and this film is such an anomaly because this is the director's one and only 
film. He's never done a film since. And I'm so baffled because this is honestly one of the best horror films that I've ever seen in the last 20 years. It scared the absolute ever living shit out of me. And it's not even like that scary of a movie. Um, and I've talked about it several times on my podcast in past episodes, but um, it's a film that came out in 2008. It's called Lake Mungo mm-hmm. and it's directed by Joel Anderson. And this is like his own one and only feature film that he's ever done. He's never done a film since. I'm so baffled by that because he has such promise because this movie, I don't know if you've seen it, Aubrey. I have. It's kind of like the pseudo documentary found footage one. Yeah, it's yes. it's mo- it's like a mockumentary, but it feels out of so, Australia, right? It's uh, yeah, it's an Australian horror film. They just um, do it better there. So uh, oh yeah, God, I, ha- yeah, I have seen like Mungo, and I did enjoy it. So, but please talk about it, sir. Um, yeah. So basically, like Mungo is about this family and their daughter. They go out to like this. Uh, they're vacationing and they're out at this lake, and their daughter drowns. Um, and so it's basically about like weird start stuff starts happening around their house. Like they're seeing Alice around the house and capturing her on video and in pictures and stuff. And so it kind of turns into like this mockumentary type of ghost film where it's like nothing really, it's a very subtle film. I will say for people that don't like slow burn movies where not a lot happens and it's mostly just atmosphere and no cheap jump scares and no like, things popping out of you every five seconds. This is not the movie for you. Cause I feel like you're going to find this movie to be very boring. I, however, love this kind of shit. Like I love atmospheric movies and I want to touch back on what I said about it being one of the scariest movies I've ever seen, because I hold that like to high regard. And I know that there's a couple of people that I've talked to that have watched this movie after I talked so highly about it. We're like that scared you that there's that particular scene in that movie. And you know what I'm talking about, Aubrey, when I, if I think you do at least, there's one there is one scene in this movie where I had to shut it off. I had a full body reaction to this scene. I had to shut it off. I turned on every light in my house and I had to like pace around for a minute. I had to like calm down before I could watch it again. And I waited until the sun came up because I watched this. I think I had gotten off work. It was like four in the morning, so it was still dark outside. I, I put this movie on and I I started watching it. it. got to that part and I had to like shut it off and wait for the sun to come up because I was so rattled for whatever reason this scene just really and i think it's because this movie builds so much on atmosphere like there's so much creepy that's what i was going to say is like it's just such a like tension build and then release you know that release is like oh like you just keep waiting for it and that's that's really what this movie does well i haven't seen the movie in a long long time i saw it like when it first came out you know in the early 2000s i probably saw it when i was a senior in high school in like 2010 so a while back and i know i've rewatched it again but it's been years since i've seen it but yeah Yeah. it's it's very solid and whenever somebody talks about lake mungo i'm like oh yeah i've seen that and i think i know what scene you're talking about yeah, and it just it just feels so like I've seen plenty of mockumentaries of this type before, but there's just something like so real about this one that it just feels like the acting is superb. Everyone that's in this movie is like great. Like it just feels like you're watching like a documentary on fucking like tr- the crime network or something or just like one of those normal documentaries that you'd watch about somebody going missing or being murdered or something. It just feels like that. And I also have to say, like, I know that Chris, I don't know if Chris Stuckman is ever going to listen to this podcast. He's a pretty big YouTuber. He's got like 
a million followers on Insta or on uh, YouTube, but he actually his movie right now. Uh huh. So I, I can't wait for that. But he's the reason why I found this movie is because he did a review on this movie a few years back, and he loves this movie. Like he praised this movie. So after hearing his review on it, that's when I why I watched it, and I I just wanted to say thank you, Chris Stuckman, for. That's crazy that. as you say that because Mr. Stuckman is kind of like the only YouTuber I like watch for what he thinks of movies because we have very similar tastes, Stuckman and I. So yeah, I'm ex- so excited for Shelby Oaks. Uh, I cannot wait. I'm very excited yeah. for him. Um, so that is awesome that he gets to do that. And that's crazy that you can kind of come from a YouTube career and just, you know, just be your genuine, authentic self. And now here you are directing a movie, man. So congratulations i know you'll probably never hear this chris but (laughs) big influence for michael and i so kudos keep it going man and you know keep throwing us some gems that we want to watch but like mungo kind of to talk about what you said it's the fact that like everyone's performance is like reserved it makes it feel real sometimes when you Mm -hmm. watch these like you know found footage movies it's like you can tell their actors are like they're going so dramatic because they're so good at them like that's not how normal people act like that's so that's why I totally agree with you as far as like Lake Mungo. It literally looks like you're watching something on A and E, you know. Yeah, and then it just kind of takes the turns. And you're like, oh, like it, it, it's a very good movie. It's it, yeah, it, it's much more like in the vein of like a paranormal activity, but much more like atmospheric, like Michael was saying. Yeah, and like um, the other reason why I feel like I love it so much is because it. it like I said, it could easily have been a very boring film and very uninspiring, but there's like so many different layers to this film. Like there's so many different twists. Like there's like multiple twists in this movie. So like, there's like one twist where you think, you know where this is going and then it like turns the tables on you. So then you think, you know where it's going after that. And then it turns it again. And it's just like, this movie is just like a mystery wrapped in like another mystery and wrapped. It's so engaging and I just fucking love this movie. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> I know I've got on a really big soapbox. No. We haven't even gotten to your number 10 yet. But like, I, love I just love this movie so much. I have such a love for it. Um, honestly, it's like still that scene that I'm referring to every time I watch it. It doesn't scare me as much as it did the first time, but it still creeps me out. It's very unnerving. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. just such an unnerving scene. And the whole film itself is just very unnerving. So it's just like you get this ratcheting up. And then when you get to that scene, it's like, holy fuck. Like, I don't know why, but it just delivers. You know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I totally agree with the Lake Mungo pick. It is not on mine, but I mean, if we keep doing this series, you're probably going to find out on my list because <laughs> for a directorial debut, it's pretty good. The way he John genre bends in that you know, yeah. sense of making it feel like a documentary, like a public access documentary. And then it just kind of turns into like a, you know scary horror ghost movie so yeah totally totally here for like mungo it it is a if you're not a big found footage person you're probably not gonna like it and exactly like michael said if you're not a person that like really likes tension building like atmosphere and stuff like that you're probably not gonna like it if you're more like i like the og paranormal activity that's the movie i like this probably isn't for you but yeah it's very impressive what was done with this movie so that's a great pick man thank you yeah and it also just makes me really sad that this is his only film that he's ever done that's crazy like Like, i didn't know that that's insane so yeah and i don't know the backstory behind that i don't know i don't know if he just did this movie and he's like i'm i did what i wanted to do i made the movie i wanted to make and i have no interest in making films after that i don't know and i don't know if like because i just feel like this movie should have kickstarted his career honestly because this is a good fucking movie like this is such a good movie so i just i don't know it's such an anomaly to me and i think that's why it's my number 10 is just because it's his only film that he's ever made 
Um, but it's still so good and effective and I just, I had to put it on my list. So I, that's, that's awesome. I I like that we get to talk about Lake Mungo. Are you ready for my number 10 or do you have anything else? No, no, I'm done (laughs) with my (laughs) 10 minute long tangent. I'm so sorry. I love that shit. Like that's why I'm saying people is like the passion comes through. So it's, it's very easy to just talk with Michael because it's like the passion's there. So that's, that's never an issue. You don't ever have to apologize for time on here. I appreciate you coming on here. So my number 10 is a horror director that's very hit or miss for me. Like when he's hit, I love him. When he's missed, it's woof. Um, But I love this movie. It came out right when I was like growing up and like really getting into horror and kind of doing my own thing. It was one of the first like body horror movies I remember. And it kind of like fucked with me a lot. But it's Eel Ross Cabin Fever. Like mm. he it, it launched a really good and tumultuous uh, career. Uh, like I said, he has some real woofs, but he also yeah. has some awesome movies. Um, this being one of his favorites that he's ever done. It's just such a good like body horror movie that, you know, it starts like eight out of ten horror movies, Cabin in the Woods. But it kind of goes to a skin eating disease. And it's just it's awesome. Some of the practical effects for the time were disgusting. And it's yeah. just. It's a fun ride. It's it's really good. Like there's some real funny parts in it, and Eel Ross character that he wrote for himself was really funny. Real gross shit in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going with Cabin Fever with Eel Roth, um, just because I am a fan of Eel and like a lot of the stuff he does. And yeah, I, I I'm going with it because it's just one of those movies that I remember being young and. I think I was like a middle school when it came out and I just remember watching. I was like the first time I watched a movie that I was like, Oh gross. And that's why it was scary was how gross it was. Yeah. So definitely kind of scratched an itch of body horror that I never knew I had. So thank you, Eel Roth. And, uh, you know, Cronenberg's kind of the master of it. So kind of, uh, that's kind of where it is, but not too much else to talk about. And a lot of people know cabin fever. It's not, it's not as, you know, low key as like Mungo and everyone yeah. knows what Ross done in the meantime, you know, producing yeah. all that type of stuff. So yeah, it is what it is. That's number 10 for me is cabin fever, man. So that's a solid one. I was going to say, I know you've seen cabin fever. You you like that one. What are your thoughts on it? I like it. Um, I actually recently did an episode with um, our life in horror on my podcast. They came onto mine and we did cabin fever and, and we we discussed it. We we liked it, but I think there's some issues and there's some things that haven't aged well. Like there's some really poor jokes in that movie. Oh like, yeah. Like a very um. There's one where they're inside the convenience store and the clerk makes a very um distasteful oh, yes. racist joke, and it's just like, ooh, that didn't age well. That didn't well, age well at all. <laughs> I was ta- who was I talking? I think I was talking with Alex on my podcast. Cause, yes, because we were talking about horror movies we wanted remade. Um, so if you haven't seen that spo- or listened to that, spoiler alert! But one of mine on there was the Monster Squad, and mm. I was watching that, and I w- I forgot how much they call each other bundles of sticks in there, and I was like, oh, that did not age very well. Yeah, I was like, woof, man. So it, it was a different time, people, and we have grown as a society for a better sense. <laughs> hopefully um but yeah it's it's kind of like you know if, for people that aren't huge horror fans it's kind of like when you go back and watch like a porkies or american pie it's kind of like yeah it wasn't like that big a deal back then but now we kind of understand some of the problematic things that can come with that especially when it's shown yeah. in feature film and normalized and used for comedy so <laughs> i totally yeah. agree there totally agree there um I just hope anybody that watches that type of stuff kind of understands like that was a time capsule thing and that's not cool now. 
So yeah, that's, that's kind of how I see it. You know, it, 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 that's how I feel about it, but you are definitely not wrong there, but yeah, that's kind of one of my guilty pleasure picks was cabin fever just because it was just such, such a movie that resounded with me. I remember. And it's a fun one. I think, yeah. I don't think it's a horrible movie by any means. I just feel like definitely uh, outdated, definitely outdated. Yeah. I mean, it could definitely use a remake and I'm not talking about the 2016 one because that one is fucking terrible <laughs> is because horrible. it's literally just a shot for shot like it's just With worse acting worse practical effects it's horrible yeah yeah horrible. but this the, if if done correctly I feel like this movie could be remade oh yeah especially and, if you go a little less like goofy like Eel Roth did and go a lot darker yeah I, I could totally get behind that yeah take out the pancakes <laughs> pancakes take that out <laughs> But do please, and I know that I know that Sam and Brendan are going to listen to this episode, I'm sure, so they'll appreciate me saying this, but please do keep in the, yes it is, you fucking slut, please leave yeah. that line in there, because that is so fucking funny to me. We were laughing so hard about that one line that um, the Burt character says. Yes. In fact, he's the only guy I want to play himself again, because that guy yeah. is just, he. It, that was like perfect casting. I was just like, did you just like smoke with that guy one day, Eelroth, and be like, you should be in my movie? And he was like, you sure? And like he just played that character yep yeah it was just so perfect it was so great and his eyes are always like halfway squared like this high so it's like yeah. just even better so it's great but uh, yeah it, great it is what it is what it is and i was actually kind of shocked because i knew cabin fever was one of his first but i didn't know that was his actual first directorial debut so yeah yeah i thought that was pretty solid for a, a first time i agree um, but yeah michael you're number nine sir okay so my number nine is a film that's directed by Ian Softly. And he did a few, he's done some films before this uh, movie came out, but this was his first horror film. And that's going to be The Skeleton Key mm -hmm. yeah. with, uh, Kate Kate, with Kate Hudson. Yes, I, I adore this movie. I love this movie. This movie is so good. Um, th this is like another film with really great atmosphere. Like I talked about like the atmosphere in Lake Mungo is really good. This one has a very very well done atmosphere as well and this is kind of another movie that i mean it does have some scary scenes it has some jump scares but it's also kind of very slow building it's very atmospheric um it's more story oriented which i really enjoy um but it's basically about a, a hospice nurse like she basically works at like this hospital she quits her job and she decides to become like a hospice kind of nurse where she goes to this really like old mansion with a lot of haunted history in Louisiana and she's taking care of this old man and just things start to happen while she's there and it just like this is another movie that you know kind of twists and turns similar to Lake Mungo like the ending of this movie is so good it's a great like, twist the whole twist at the end which is which is kind of what I kind of compare the twist to get out in mm -hmm. a sense I feel like the twist to get out is semi-similar to the one in the skeleton key in a sense yeah it, skeleton key is much more like spiritual and and yeah. get out is much more like scientific physical surgery yeah. but yeah you know again yes i mean you're not wrong there <laughs> yeah i don't know i just i i really love this movie i think kate hudson is great uh i th i personally think kate hudson needs to do more horror films because i don't think she's done has she done any other horror films besides this one i think the skeleton key is the only one she's ever done not that i can think of off the top of my head but yeah she's always been phenomenal skeleton key is definitely a hidden gem that like not a lot of people know about from the yeah. early 2000s and you are completely right the whole point of the movie is kind of like is she crazy or 
is there actual voodoo and shit going on? And yeah. that's that's where it's a lot of fun. And then at the end, you get a very clear answer, which is what I really enjoy about movies like that is when they don't like just leave it ambiguous. It's like I just watched, you know, 90 minutes to figure out what it is. And you're going to let me just think about it. You should have just ended it sooner. Then, <laughs> Yeah. If I get to make up my own decision. Um, yeah. So love that. Love that pick. It's just funny to me when you go back on those IMDb like credits and stuff and it's like he's re- you know, he's done skeleton key and he's also done 10 things i hate about you and like stuff like that like, yeah how the hell do you get to skeleton key so that, that's always just so hilarious to me to see like when just people just jump out of you know their uh you know comfort zone and that's kind of like bob clark the guy who did the original black, black christmas, christmas yeah one of the greatest ones also did a christmas story which are like the most two polar opposite christmas movies they could ever be <laughs> so i love that shit i love shit like that i think it's hilarious so i'm glad you brought up skeleton key because i didn't even think about it but i love that movie i really do yeah i had to i had to make sure that he hadn't done any other horror films before then uh from what i saw he hasn't so i think maybe this might even be no actually i think he's done another horror film after that but i can't think of what it is off the top of my head right now but uh yeah no the skeleton key i think is a great film i think more people need to talk about it and i think if you haven't seen the skeleton key you definitely need to watch it because it's just it's such a like what's the word it's such like um a lesson in how to make like in a really effective like suspenseful horror film that's like really fun. It has a little bit of everything. Like I said, it has some jump scares in it. Um it, it has some scary elements, but it also has a really good story, very good acting from everybody involved. Um and just like a really good twist. I love it. I think it's great. And the like the environment that she's in, like this movie actually made me want to move to Louisiana for a for a small point in time. And I was like, ooh, I kind of want to like dabble in the hoodoo and the voodoo. And then I was like, nah, New Orleans is the shit. Like, I love New Orleans. That's like one of my favorite cities in America. So if you've never been, people definitely go have a great time. Like they don't joke around about like just having a good time. (laughs) Like it's literally that 24 seven. So I love New Orleans. Now, the hurricane stuff is probably why I would never live there. Tornadoes no. are scary enough here in Missouri. I don't want to add water to the equation, please. No, that's yeah. too spooky for me. So I'll just I'll just drive down there. I'll just drive. <laughs> Especially since there's alligators and shit and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So you get like floods and shit and there's alligators fucking floating through the streets. No, thanks. No, yeah. ma'am. I'm good. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm not trying to wake up with my morning coffee with a gator there. Like, no yeah, thanks. I'm no not thanks. trying to become a an extra and crawl so <laughs> i feel you there i feel you there and that was number nine for that you? was my number nine yeah as the skeleton key so that's a great pick it's something Thank you know you. pre pre professional transition here pretty good segue into my number nine Ooh. um it's kind of similar um in the same vein it's very twist oriented um mm-hmm. it kind of gets memed now because like everyone knew but like i'm sure you can attest to it because we're pretty close in age um, but the six, it's going to be the sixth sense. That was like such a landmark movie. And like yeah. when it first dropped, like people were like, how did he get away with that twist? He put it right in front of my face the whole time. And it's in my Shyamalan, if you guys don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, duh. But anyways, yeah, it's it's that. And, you know, there was a point where he was like the next thing. And, you know, yep. then he just kind of kind of like I talked about with Leo Roth, just kind of made some greats and some duds and was just too inconsistent. It's very like this. Yeah. It's like yeah. A roller coaster. Yeah. Just very turbulent. Just very like. Ah. But like he he definitely has some in his later catalog that are great. The Sixth Sense is awesome. Like it really is. Now, yeah. again, it is so memed now, but like there's a reason for that because it was such a pop culture phenomenon. And I just loved 
I love that he showed you the twist, like in the very beginning. He knew, like he literally put it in front of your face. Yeah. You know, Bruce Willis got shot, like in the opening scene. And so when he reveals it, like those are my favorite twists where I feel so dumb I didn't get it. Yeah. And that that's that's great directing. That's great directing. That's meticulous effort. That's great writing. Um, so that's why it's number nine for me, because like when I saw the sixth sense, I didn't know what the twist was. I'm so old that that was a thing. Like this was pre like going on the internet and everybody spoiling shit. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was just one of those things that when, you know, you finally realize what it is, your jaw just hits the floor and it's just, and can we also talk about Haley Joel Osmond? One of the best, like so performances good. ever. So, so good. It, it's a great movie. I know if people, I know people know the ending now, but like, if you haven't seen the movie, like just watch it, see what you think. It's actually a good movie. It's not, just one of those movies that's predicated on the twist. The twist just took it from a very good movie to like, whoa, that to was a masterpiece. Game- yeah, yes, that was game changing. But I, I hear you talking about. I know you like the Sixth Sense. I, I, I know do. you've seen it, but um, you have anything else on the Sixth Sense or anything like that, man? The Sixth Sense is a very personal movie to me, and I'm kind of kicking myself for not even putting that movie on the list. I was like, we got more episodes coming. <laughs> yes, <man>. that's <laughs> true. Um. But yeah, no, like I relate to Haley Joel Osment's character a lot because I used to ha- I, like I have dealt with paranormal shit my entire life. I'm pretty sure I'm just haunted. So every house that my family has lived in since I was a child has been haunted and I ex- I've experienced so much stuff. So that movie like uh, sits with me on a very personal level. I'm like, yeah, well, we got to stop talking because I just try to avoid situations. <laughs> like I, this is how horror movies start, Michael. When you confess this stuff to me, and then like now I'm haunted. This is about so. to turn into host right now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to die, so it's fine. We're cool. Signing off here. This is our last broadcast. Sure to like and subscribe. Yeah, died for this podcast. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but no, I, I I do love this movie. I think all the performances are great. Oh my god! And nobody talks nobody talks about how great Tony Collette is in this yeah. movie. Um, yeah. and, and what I have to say is I'm glad that this was on your list because I want to, I really wanted to talk about one specific scene from this movie that just like is my favorite scene of the movie. And it's not even a scary scene. It's the scene where Haley Joel Osment and Tony Collette are in the car and they're talking and he admits to her about like his grandma, like h- how her mother watched her dance. She, you know, and all this, and it's, and M. Night Shyamalan talks about it in an interview. He talks about how, like, he didn't want to have any music in it. He didn't want to have this grand score. He didn't want to have this big, like, you know, big ending. He just wanted to play it subtle. He wanted it to be real. And, like, this this scene is so... Like, this scene still makes me cry every time I watch it. And it's because of, like, how subtle it is and how realistic it feels. And you really f- believe that these two characters are mother and son. Like their performances in the scene are so good. Like Tony Collette's performance, like I'm getting chills just talking about it right yeah. now because like she is so fucking good in this movie and Haley Joe Osman is so good. And like this scene is just this scene alone makes this movie for me. Like I if, know. it's it's <sighs> it's such a good movie. Like and I totally agree. Shamala is as best when less is more. Like the yeah. less he puts into it, because he's so good at like real feeling movies like that. Like one of one of the movies on his back half that I really enjoyed. Like yeah. I had no expectations, but the visit like, and that's such an easy movie. And I don't mean that as a rude thing. It's just so simple. Yeah. So like, wow. Like that was, that was good. That was like, effective. Yeah. Yes. Yes. When he's doing less is more, he's very effective. 
when he's giving us people faking being monsters in a blind wood like uh, i know i actually really like the village so (laughs) i I thought it i think it's great so coming off off of signs i was super disappointed with i just it was the twist for me it was just kind of like ugh. oh my god i love the fucking twist in the village the the twist in signs is what doesn't do it for me you cannot tell me that these aliens are allergic to water twist was was stupid but everything else in that movie was great that's i I didn't (laughs) care about the twist it was more like the village it just kind of in the same vein as like bodies by his bodies it was just kind of like yeah it's cool but what like then what was the point like of this movie you know what i mean yeah it's just kind of like at that point like it everything that made me fearful in that movie goes away at that point and i'm sure that was his point it's and i will say this i do like polarizing things this is just one of those polarizing things i'm just on the other side of of like yeah that wasn't for me that's just not my twist it's it's not a technically bad movie by any means it's it's very effective and i love those monsters and stuff like that i just kind of wanted those monsters to be real probably because i liked them so much but yeah yeah that's fair that's, that's my number nine this six cents you know Shyamalan like that was some very effective filmmaking mix especially for a debut I think that was his debut feature film I in think general. so not yeah. just horror in general I don't have it in front of me but that's my number nine so we have a lot more coming through but we're on your number eight correct Michael? yeah yeah let's go man that I was a very solid choice I'm glad that that was on your list like I said I'm kicking myself for not putting it online there's too but many good ones there's too, I know you know when we just did on your podcast you know um the not Oscars and stuff it's like when we were talking about our favorite scenes of 2022, there's no way you can think of everything. There's just too much good <laughs> shit. Yeah. But like no, nobody, nobody's here going to be like, well, Michael's not valid. He didn't put the six cents in there. You know, because <laughs> it's going to be one that I forget, you know, so feel free, man. I, I want to hear your number eight. I'm, I'm very excited to see where this goes, man. Ooh. Okay. So my number eight is going to be watcher mm. that came out uh, last year, 2022. And it's directed by Chloe Okono. And I mean, I I won't spend too much time on this movie because I've talked this movie till I'm blue in the face about how much I love it. But it's just such a fucking like this is another like lesson in how to fucking make a very successful, suspenseful film. Um, And I feel like I feel like my my last three films so far have just been very slow building, very atmospheric tension. I don't know. There might be a pattern here with that's my, the harder with my thing list. to do, to be honest. I mean, I'll be honest with you. That's a harder thing to do. You know, it's kind of yeah. like comedy is very hard to do because it's either good or it's not like yeah. you can't hide behind, you know, Michael Bay. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but it's like when you just pay people to make effects in your movies and like set up these huge rig shots and stuff where you just press play and film it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like yeah. the, building tension in like that scene you talked about with Shyamalan, you know, the sixth sense, that's hard to do. That's yeah. hard to like make people feel something that way. So yeah. there's nothing wrong with that, man. And a lot of my <laughs> stuff on here is going to be like that, but feel free to continue, man. The watch is awesome, by the way. I know. Thank you. Know. I'm I'm so glad you liked it. Cause like, I know like we've talked about it before you have, you know, you have, uh, as you like to call it pretentious taste. I don't necessarily <laughs> think you're pretentious. I just think you like what you like. And I'm, I, I was just kind of like worried that maybe I was over hyping it. No, very Hitchcock S people. Yes. If you haven't seen watcher. It's very like Hitchcocky. It's not like, guy comes around the corner and murders people 24 7 it's very like is he isn't he mm-hmm. no. have to find out and it's gorgeous in the meantime so that's yes. always a plus like yeah and i um i will say i think this is my most watched film of 2022 i think i've watched this film probably at least like 
50 times already. So, I mean, I, I love this movie. This is a movie I can put on all the time. Um, and it basically tells the story of a woman who moves to Bucharest with her husband because he uh, he's from there. Like, his family's from there, but he got a job there. Uh, so she moves with him and there's a guy that's across the apartment complex from her that like keeps watching her through her window and stuff. And then she starts to suspect that he's following her around. And at the same time that this is happening, there's also a serial killer running loose in Bucharest, like killing other women. So um, it's like one of those very psychological, very uh, Aubrey said it, it's very Hitchcock, a uh, very rear window. Um, like the cinematography is gorgeous. Uh, Micah Monroe never disappoints like in anything that she's in I I love Micah Monroe Um, like there's just so many good performances in this movie there's so many good sequences in this movie Um, and it like I said it's very subtle it's it's not even it's slightly above a whisper like even like the most like tension building scene isn't even that over the top like it's very subtle but it's very effective in the fact that it's so realistic in a sense that it doesn't have to go over the top to make you feel something like you you feel a reaction and you feel like the sense of this character's isolation because she's in a country where nobody speaks english like she doesn't speak the language so um something that i felt like was really genius on chloe okono's part is the fact that she puts no dialogue like no subtitles. Yeah. When the characters are speaking uh, Bulgarian or whatever language, Romanian, whatever language that is, th- there's no subtitles. So us as audience members, we're in the, the same situation as Julia, where we have no idea what they're saying. And it's very, it puts us in a kind of like that feeling of isolation as well. So she does that so well. And it's so subtle. Like those little, those little attention to details is what makes this movie so enjoyable for me um like i said uh this like i said i think it's following a similar pattern with the last two films if you're not like super into slow burn films maybe this isn't the movie for you because i also follow drum dums i think that's his uh, name on youtube he does not like this movie mm-hmm. like he's a very revered uh horror reviewer as in the horror community as well like he does a lot of he does not like this movie he thinks it's boring and see, that's kind of crazy to me because it's like, this is like a pretentious guy's wet dream. Like, it's like, yeah. it's an honor to like Hitchcock and stuff. But hey, again, to, to Easter own, I, I could disagree all day. Like, if you if you don't think there's a lot of like tension or like it's a boring movie, you must not have watched that train scene. Like, you right. know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. like, and again, there's when people are like, well, the movie's boring. It's like, no, the movie's real. Like, it actually like again anybody and i'm not trying to take away but like like insidious anybody could make a pop around the corner scene effective you know what i mean but yeah build that tension and knowing when to place those that's what makes a james wan you know what i mean that's what makes that that's what makes you an artiste like i could make a movie that's 90 minutes and you know 46 of them are just pop out parts and then (laughs) nothing else but why would you care then so i yeah i i I disagree with that take i think watchers phenomenal i think i think it was very good yeah i've said it multiple times to you and other people 2022 was a great year if it came out any other year i'm sure it'd be in my top 10 but it was definitely one that when you recommended it to me i hadn't honestly i hadn't even heard about it i i knew micah monroe was in you know several horror movies but i didn't know she was in that one this year and yeah pleasantly surprised when i watched it man well, I think also the reason why I feel like a lot of people haven't heard of Watcher um, is because it came out around the same time that The Watcher on Netflix yes. came out with uh, Naomi Watts. Yeah. And yeah, 
And I feel like people confuse that. So when I say Watcher, everyone's first reaction is, oh, that show on Netflix? And I'm like, no, it's an actual movie. It's just called Watcher. So I feel like that kind of, it shot itself in the foot. Unfortunately, it was released at the wrong time. If it was would have been released last year, I feel like more people would be talking about this movie. But I mean, it's still, I mean, I still hear a lot of people talk about it though. So, I mean, it's a Shudder exclusive. It came out on Shudder. Um, I know it. I know it made it its rounds in the film festival circuit for a minute. So I mean, people know about it. I know plenty of people have talked about it. So, um, but if there's any listeners on your show that haven't heard of Watcher, please go check it out yeah. because it's so good. It's it's honestly, it was it was a close second to my favorite film of the year above uh, below X. It was right below X. So, yeah. I, um. I, yeah. I, I can understand why it, it's a very, very like nostalgic piece to watch. You know, it feels like you're watching a time capsule. So yeah. and I mean that in the most respectful way. Um, but that was number eight for you, correct? That was my number eight. Yeah. So it's ready for my number. Eight, I am sir? ready. All right. So kind of in the same vein as the director of Lake Mungo, this guy's only done two movies. They're both horror movies and they are both like top tier, like S tier movies for me. And I don't know where this guy went. I can't find any information on him. And I don't even know if he's doing movies anymore, but I hope he does. Uh, it's Sean Burns. And this is the loved ones. <gasps> whoa, boy. Yeah. And then he also did the devil's candy. Like, whoa, the devil's candy is like phenomenal. Like, God damn it. I love the devil's candy so much. And then he disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard shit from him. like anything like, oh, my God. But loved ones. I legit just had a reaction when you said that because the loved ones was originally on my top 10 list and I had to bump yeah. it down. It, w- it was actually number 11. Like if we yeah. would have done a top 20 list, it would have been right below Lake Mungo. So it would have been two Australian films back to back. We're splitting but... hairs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, just, I love this movie. Man, it is so good. Like. It is a brutal movie. Do not get me wrong. Brutal. But like it is also one of those movies that like really has some tender moments. And I don't think it falls into like the melodramatic category. I think it like has a real story. And like I think it's very well done. Like everything is great. The practical, the violence, the brutality. It gets a little crazy, you know, like (laughs) once you figure out what's in the fucking floor, like it's like, uh oh. (laughs) And there's just so many good tension parts. Like, oh man, he just, Sean Byrne knows what he's doing. Like he, man. And, and Devil's Candy, I, I I know when I did my favorite horror movies of all time, it's number 10. I, I, I Spoiler alert, people, I might do a redux of that because we've had so many great horror movies in the last, you know, two years since I started this podcast. So maybe I'll redo that. Maybe. I don't know. But <laughs> definitely when I first started, it was in there because I love the Devil's Candy and the loved ones like does not disappoint. And I could yeah. not believe that was a directorial debut. Like I could not like how yeah. technically sound it was and like every inch of it usually when you see like a movie that somebody's done first you're like okay he really thrive they really thrive here and it was just like it was a gorgeous movie like the sound like the song and stuff is just like perfect like the story the emotion to it the brutality of it it's like it's everything i want in a horror movie and it is definitely one of my i know we say it all the time but it's definitely one of my dishwasher movies and when i hear the power drill i stop what i'm doing i just have to watch (laughs) and i feel like um the actress that plays lola stone in this movie i feel like what an underrated horror villain nobody fucking talks about her like she's so fucking scary and i know she did a lot of research beforehand like she researched Dahmer, she researched like all these serial killers to really get in the mindset of these fucking people and she nails it like and I think Xavier Samuel, the one that plays uh, the main uh, guy in this movie, he's great too. Like he's been in a 
a couple of really good horror films as well. Also, yeah. uh, there's Bait. He was in Bait. That's a really good shark Boys movie. Boys in you the haven't Trees. Seen that. Have you seen that? I That's have. a really underrated movie. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's great. just does it better, man. They're just killing us right Australia now. and Asia. It's yeah. just like, I don't know what it is, but they yeah, just... Yeah, you, you just had the ass out of the hemisphere. It's just like, they know how to do their horror right now, man. <laughs> we should be taking more notes from them for the most part. <laughs> yeah, Aussies, New Zealands, Kiwis, like everyone over on that side of the hemisphere is doing it right. So Yeah, no, that's a great pick. And I, I'm, I'm really excited that it was on your list. I was actually not expecting that because I put it on... Like I said, it was originally on my top 10. Uh, I literally had to split hairs. I just literally like bumped it down to 11 like it would have been on my list when we do other episodes of this we'll find it somewhere for you yeah oh yeah it'll be it'll be on my next episode no no (laughs) not to spoil it for the listeners but it'll be on the next episode we'll talk about it but (laughs) yeah but it's 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 like it touches everything it has like one of the most satisfying endings ever like there's Mm. no ambiguity to it and it's just man it's it's awesome. But if you guys haven't seen the loved ones or watcher, like you should probably pause this episode right now and go watch both of those and come back. Cause those are like back to back home run movies. Is it finger licking good? Oh God. Is the- it finger licking good? <laughs> or the, the worst part for me that makes me cringe every time is it's crying. Oh yeah. Oh, what? You have 10 seconds to go. Yeah. or daddy's yeah. going to nail it to the chair. Yeah. Yeah, it's sorry. It's, my dick's getting nailed. Like I can't do that. <laughs> Not yeah. happening. It's bad enough when like the big smelly guy stands next to me at the urinal. I you know oh, I tighten gross. up then. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's not happening. My dick would be getting nailed to a chair in Oof. two seconds. So yeah. But yeah, if you're into dick nailing, yeah, there you go. Watch the loved ones. It's, that's just like the tip of the iceberg. It gets so much worse than that. Oh yeah. It uh, it like ratchets it up. Like the more you go on, you're like, oh god. Yeah. And this is what I would love for like Terrifier to get into, where it's like it's br- yeah. like this movie is brutal. There's some brutal. But there's a story. Yeah, yeah. There's there's well, there's a very deep story. Yes, <laughs> there's a story in Terrifier, but the story is let's get to the next great practical effect. <laughs> That's yeah. the story. And so I I mean I like Terrifiers. I really do. I know I've talked about it all the time, but like this is what's going to hit my top you know top movies. Like when you can add that brutality it's like such a duality of like what that movie is and stuff like that and yeah performances are excellent i literally like i've been searching everywhere to see if i could find sean burns like instagram or anything i just want to message him like dude can you come on for five minutes i just want to pick your brain because i love your horror movies so much like they're so good and what are you doing could you please make another one like (laughs) i'm fiending over here so yeah (sighs) Loved Ones, number eight for me. And it's crazy that I have it that low because I am such a fan of that movie. But yeah. So good. Number eight for me. Uh, we're on to your number seven, correct, Michael? We are. All right, man. I'm ready and, to hear this. And a perfect segue because I believe this is also an Australian horror film. And it came out in 2014. And that would be The Babadook from Jennifer Kent. Yes, it is. And I did not know that was a directorial debut. But The Babadook is definitely one that like... I. I'll just say this to get it out of the way. I, when Robbie and I talked about most overrated movies, I said it was one of those. (gasps) And that's literally, and that's literally just because like, I don't know. It just, it didn't do it for me. It's a gorgeous film. And I think like the scoring, the character of the Babadook's great, but I don't know what it was. Like, 
I just could not get into that. That was kind of the episode we were doing hot takes, kind of like we had, Michael. It's yeah. one of those that's like, I'm self-aware that I know I should like this movie, but I don't, and I can't figure out why. <laughs> I've literally tried to watch it two or three times, and it's just like, and the performances are great, and it's just like every time it ends, I'm just like, eh, eh. And I, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I, I don't know. That's a weird way of me segueing into, it's a great movie, so I'm yeah. not surprised it's on your list, and I don't disagree, even though I don't like it. <laughs> well, I have to say, like, I feel like an example for this would be like, I feel like this movie walked so that Hereditary could run because yeah. this movie really like um, I think Hereditary also does a great job at like uh, portraying like the idea of grief. But I really like the way that Jennifer Kent uh, portrayed the idea of grief as almost like the Babadook is a figment of her own mind. He's not even real. It's just her not dealing with her grief and the consequences of letting shit build up and build up and build up and not doing anything to fix it. And I ultimately really love that like whole concept of she's slowly starting to lose her mind and like the, her sense of reality and her, all of her disdain for her son because she blames her son for the fact that her husband is dead because he was driving her to the hospital to have her son and they got in a car accident and then her son or her husband dies. And I just, I love the whole, the whole concept of it. The Babadook is fucking terrifying. I remember I watched this. I've talked about this. Um, I think I talked about this on my very first episode because it was for um, top 10 horror movies that came out in the 2010s. Uh, and the Babadook was on that list. And I remember watching this movie with my sister for the first time. And this movie scared the shit out of me and my sister. There's just so much like unnerving, disturbing imagery in this movie. And it's very subtle. Like I said, it's there's not a lot of jump scares in this movie. It's like there's a specific scene where she's washing dishes and she looks out the window at the neighbor yeah. across the street. And if you're not looking in the right place, you won't even see it. But there's a shot of the fucking Babadook standing in the like in the shadows of the fucking neighbor's Smiling. house. Yeah. And it's so creepy. Like there's just little things like that, that just really make this movie. And I know a lot of people's complaints with this movie is the acting of the kid. <laughs> like, I well, know a lot of people hate this movie for the, for that reason alone. I think his people acting are, was great because I hated him. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's <laughs> yeah. like, whoa, the acting's great. Cause you are insufferable. Like, yes. But that's the point. Like, that's what he was going for as a kid. I think it's just because kids can get that dog whistle decibel when they scream. And God. us as adults are just like, Jesus Christ, please. No, please somebody tone it smother down. that kid right now. <laughs> so that whistling stops. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get it. And when people say that, I'm just like, so you're angry. He was too good at his job. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, I think he, I think he can be insufferable, but like he doesn't, I don't know for me, it doesn't bother me as much as wow. uh, it does other people. And I, I really, there's a really touching moment in this movie with him and his mother, when his mother is like under the influence of this and he's got her like tied down in the basement and he's like talking to her and he's trying to get her to like release this. And he's like, I'm not going to leave you mom. Like, it's just so sweet. And it's just like, there's just so many good moments in this movie. So it's it's a good story. It's of fantastic acting. Like, oh my gosh! Um, like I said, uh, like I said, I think I'm I'm I have a pattern here. It's a very slow burn movie, very atmospheric. Again, that's harder <laughs> so, to pull off in my opinion. Yeah, that's harder to pull off in my opinion. So I don't disagree. I mean, a lot of mine are going to be pretty similar. I don't really have many like slash and trash movies, you know, until we get maybe one or two up towards the top, but. 
yeah nah, like i i totally agree and i think those what are what make great horror movies i mean yeah the other ones the ones that have high body counts the friday the 13th and stuff they have a place and it's for dishwashing you know that's what they're there for like <laughs> yeah that's, they're like they're the body count movie that's cool it's the same with terrified that's cool i don't have a beef with it but it's not going to make these lists like it's not even it's not going to sniff it because yeah. I, i'm not saying you went the easy route but like you 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 kind of did, did you? though I, I mean it's like you, you really <laughs> yeah. put all your eggs in one basket and that's kills and that's like every everyone horror loves kills but like to me there's so much horror is so much more than just kills that's yeah and it, just an element and i'm glad that you brought that up because i feel like a lot of people that aren't horror fans they just assume that that's all horror is yeah. it's just like yeah. blood and gore and and naked or women smile and, or smile they yeah they think it's smile or jason or friday the, yeah and it's like i feel like that people don't have the right some people don't have the right interpretation of what horror is. Like they just don't know like the movies that are out there. So I don't know. A lot of my friends are always like, I don't like horror when I, when they, I mean, they support my podcast, but like, I don't know. And you're like, well, then I don't like you. Yeah. And I'm just just like, I'm just like, I'm like, look, you, I could find horror movies you like, like I know you and I know horror. So I could find those movies. I'm not going to sit here and like, just give you movies you're not going to like in the same vein. Like if a lot of my friends that like, like, you know, action movies and stuff, I wouldn't be like, Hey, let's watch hereditary. Cause they'd be like, what the fuck dude? Like, What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, and that's so, I mean, I get it. I, I, I get why some people feel that way, but like, there's a lot like more subtle and nuanced horror movies that, you know, always are going to resonate a lot more with me. That's yeah. That's always the case. So I, I I don't think you should self-deprecate on your list because I agree with a lot of the sentiments you're saying. Thank you. Yeah, I, I just I, I think this is a really great movie. I feel I'm kind of surprised that this is not an A24 film because this has A24 fucking written all over it. Yeah. So this is like a quintessential like if you slapped on an A24 logo at the start of this movie, I don't think anyone would question it because no. I feel like this is like an A24 film. All I don't the even way. think A24 would question it they reckon we did this movie oh okay cool <laughs> okay i mean it oh, se- right. it seems right <laughs> all right okay <laughs> but, but yeah that was babadook and that was number seven for you mm-hmm. that was my number seven yeah anything else on babadook. oh well i will say that i love um how the babadook has somehow turned into a gay icon for whatever reason like he's now i didn't even know this talk yeah. on. i want i want to know now i want to be in the he's, know. He he's like a gay icon yeah people people Why? think that he's like, like a gay character um uh, okay. is it just kind of like fan fiction or like i'm just wondering why i just it's interesting to me i just want to know i don't really even know myself why it was just (laughs) one day there's actually a really fun me there's actually a really fun like video meme that i've watched and it's i don't know if you've ever seen rupaul's drag race or heard of it yeah yeah but there's there's something that someone edited where it's like at the beginning of rupaul's drag race all the all the queens come in and they do their entrance you know they do their speech they do their look their entrance look so there's there's an edit that somebody did i'll send it to you after the episode it's fucking hilarious where it's like an edit where all the girls are standing in the room and then you hear like the lights start flickering and then you hear like the and then he comes he comes popping in and everybody was like reacting to it as if he's standing in there and then like someone did like one of those interviews and it's like hello i'm the baba duke i'm 300 and something years old and i um so and i am the representation of childhood mental illness it's so (laughs) funny i i'll have to send it to you but it's fucking hilarious like i die Okay, um, I I just didn't know if I was missing something because I that's awesome though that's awesome though it's and great I, I didn't even know that so hey the more you know <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> exactly here I'm here for it but uh, I 
I agree. I think the Babadook's a good movie. It's just I don't know what it was. It's just one of those. It just wasn't for you. It's just I just don't get it. Like it's just not for me. It's not that I don't get it. I just don't get why I don't get it. Like that's fair. I I just don't know. But yeah, the Babadook character is really cool. I'd love to see like a sequel or like them take the character into like different people grieving. Like mm. this is the physical manifestation of grief yeah that would be cool that, that would be cool. cool i like that idea yeah hey people so <laughs> come uh, on hire us <laughs> we'll direct it <laughs> but i also have to say sorry one more thing i i didn't mean to cut you off but i also like that there's um sorry there's just one more thing i want to point out i like that like there's more women that are directing horror films in this day and age um yeah there's another Absolutely. film that didn't make my top 10 list that are that is going to be on the next episode and I won't spoil it but another female director that actually her film debut is another film that I really enjoy. Um I'm just loving that female directors are getting more of a like spotlight to really kind of experiment and give their own take on certain things. Absolutely. I think that's amazing. And especially in a male dominated like industry as it is, I just feel like there's so many like male dominated uh jobs in like the film industry as a whole so it's nice to see that more women are coming up to the forefront and directing like these amazing fucking horror films like chloe okono like she is amazing like i cannot wait to see what else she does Mm -hmm. as far as like horror stuff and so yeah that's just something else i wanted to add real quick i'm sorry no i'd be sorry and i totally agree like because let's be honest women's experience are going to be different than men they have different horrifying you know, horrifying tales are like different perspectives. So like, that's always going to be great for artistry. Like my yeah. whole thing is like, just, just let people create. Like, that's the thing. Like you don't want to like pigeonhole anybody, you know, that's, that's one of the things, you know, I, I do really appreciate about professional transition. My number seven <laughs> is get out by Jordan Peele. Very, very similar, but instead of being female dominated black, there's not a lot of African-American directors, especially yeah. in horror. And like, and it's kind of sad to say that like a lot of like if there are African-American icons in horror, it's either from like the black exploitation or it's like their villains like Candyman and shit. Yeah. So it's great to see Jordan Peele get some representation. Now, is Get Out derivative of Skeleton Key? For sure. But like a bit, yeah. all movies borrow from each other. Like that's yeah. there's only so many stories you can tell. Now, I love Get Out. I absolutely love Get Out. I love everything about it. I love the performances on it. I think the sunken place is super dope. I think it's yeah. pretty immaculate for being a directorial debut, let alone a horror debut. Um, now, that being said, I mean, I, I, I get it, it's kind of like Babadook. I know a lot of people see it and they're like, no, I got it. I just didn't care for it. I get that. Like, it's not for everybody. I think it's just like when I heard Jordan Peele from Mad TV and Key and <laughs> Peele fame was making a horror movie. I was excited because I think he's very funny. And I was like, I'm excited to see where this goes. And I never thought in a million years I was going to get something that made me think. Yeah. I thought it was going to be very like tongue in cheek, like blood, guts, like very evil dead. I thought I was going to get like evil dead Sam Raimi vibes. That's yeah. not what you get here. This is like very great. straightforward. Yeah. Yes. Very straightforward. Very like has a very poignant message and it's going to say it. Now, don't get me wrong. Rob, the TSA officer, is hilarious in the movie. Yeah. He's great. <laughs> yeah. But Get Out is just a great movie and like, Jordan Peele, I know we've said it a million times to each other and on air here. He's done three movies, and the worst he's done is probably above average. Yeah. At worst. Yeah. So he's kind of on that John Carpenter trajectory where it's like, is this guy ever going to make bad movies? I mean, knock on wood, I hope he doesn't. You know, Nope was such a different type of movie than what he's done. It's such a big, giant scope of a movie that I'm yeah. kind of interested to see what he 
where he goes from here. If he goes bigger or he goes smaller or it stays the same, I, I don't know. I, I think he's going to do whatever energizes him as an artist, and I really appreciate that. I really appreciate anybody that's got a unique voice and a unique vision, sticks to it, and gives the middle finger to anybody that tries to change that or you know tell him not to make a certain type of movie. And yeah. kudos to Blumhouse. I, I love that Blumhouse gives tiny budgets to great artists. I, I love I yeah. love that because in the early 2000s when we were growing up it was give lots of money to people who don't give a fuck about horror and we got stuff like <laughs> yeah. nothing but horrible remakes like you know when a stranger calls and stuff like that. Hey, you I know? like the when a stranger calls remake. Don't I, shit uh, that on was, that. That was the only one that came to head. But I'm saying like stuff like that. We get House of Wax. We get this. We get hey, that. House of Wax is great too. <laughs> Look at this. Look, I grew up when you grew up, so I enjoy them. I still watch them, but like let's be subjective here. That's what I'm saying. Is like there's no creativity. It's just like let's just rebrand something let's put this on it let's make doom with the rock that's the most anti-doom movie we could ever get yeah let's do silent hill that's nothing really like let's do a nightmare on elm street yeah yeah that's what i'm saying it's like it it just got to a point where it's like that's disgusting to me it's like that's why (laughs) that's why like a lot of horror fans just kind of left because it's like nobody wants to watch just like bad cgi you know makeup (laughs) effects and stuff like that so i'm glad that Blumhouse gives like small budgets to good artists to make good movies. And that's yeah. kind of, that's how Jordan Peele got his start, you know, with get out and stuff. So, you know, kudos to Blumhouse. I mean, I'm not saying like all their movies are great. They did make truth or dare. <laughs> like they're always <laughs> going to be those. Well, they did make the Halloween films too, the trilogy. Yeah, so yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Big wolf. So we'll see how the exorcist goes. Let's, let's yeah. forget about Halloween and let's just power into the exorcist and see if it's decent. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, on that note, I do. I know I like. I don't. I don't like to say I talk a lot of smack on Get Out, but I'm. I've I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Like I'm not, like, oh my god, head over heels over Get Out. I think it's a great movie, though. I have always said that. See, that's I, how I feel about the Babadook. How you feel yeah. about Get Out is how I feel about the Babadook. It's not that I hate it or discredit it. It's just kind of like, okay, like, yeah. yeah, it is what it is. Like you're right. It's a good movie, but it did nothing for me. And what you were saying about like him coming from a comedy background, like I feel like that's how you do it. David Gordon Green, Absolutely. if you're listening, yeah. this is how you do it. Take a pointer from Jordan Peele because he came from a comedy background. And he, I mean, like you said, his his most like, I guess you could say subpar movie is not even bad. So no, like convoluted. Yes. But is it bad? No. <laughs> No. And like, so that's like, I feel like you can, I feel like it is a very inspiring thing. I'm glad you brought it up as far as like having people of color, you know, directing and writing these films and, and, you know, acting in these films and, and getting awards for, for these things. I think it's great. And I also think it's inspiring that he can come from like a totally opposite background from horror and like actually nail like the three movies that he's done. So kudos to kudos to Jordan Peele. I'm glad it's on your list. Yeah. And I, and I will say this, I I don't know, maybe I'll let you speak to it too. That's one of the things that's always drawn me to the horror genre is like, just like big horror fans, like in horror nerds, like they're some of the most accepting people in the world. Like you would be shocked of all these people that walk around with these huge gauges in the air that smell like cheese and they haven't bathed in weeks. (laughs) And they're just the nicest teddy bears in the world. Like they love terrifying. and they got their tongue split and they're just like, the nicest sweetest people and the most understanding and accepting people and it's just like the warmth that i get like when like i'm around other horror fans is just like it's great that's that's what's always drawn me to horror is like as a genre like what other genre can like enjoy movies such as like thanks killing and stuff like yeah like 
it's just horror fans like understand irony like better than most other genres and stuff like that. And it, yeah. It's just there's like so many subgenres that like anybody can get into, and it's just such a warm and accepting environment. So exactly to piggyback off that sentiment you said, I'm happy to see that it's going to be even more inviting and we're, you know, we're putting our money where our mouth is, you know, and giving it to people. And just like I said about women, people of color have different experiences than, you know, Caucasian or white people yeah. and stuff like that. So I want to hear those horrors. I want to see that stuff. I want to experience that stuff. I don't want to watch like Halloween, get another new trilogy. Like give us something new, give us something new <laughs> yeah. from a yeah. different perspective. So I, I totally agree. And I think that's what like, that's what a lot of people like about get out is like, I hate to say it this way, but it's like they finally gave a guy of color a chance to make a horror movie. And a lot of people were like, it's going to be bad. And then it was like actually really solid yeah. and a really good movie. So it's kind of like the, you know, victory lap of like, told you so. Like, it's going to be good. Just give us a chance. Like, yeah. so I, I think it was just like a whole collective of it, not only being a very good solid movie, but like the totality of like everything that went into it. So Agreed. I mean, again soapboxy a little bit there but fuck it, that's why we're <laughs> hey, here that's so. okay exactly yeah well and you like me i can just ramble and ramble oh and ramble God, about yeah. horror. at some point somebody's <laughs> like dude it. shut the fuck up like just stop it <laughs> like put a cork in this guy at one point someone's just like okay where's the duct tape at yeah they're like okay all right this guy likes horror a little too much we might be <laughs> lampshade people here soon but that's number seven for me is get out so we're on, what is your number six sir okay so i don't know <laughs> I don't know if you've heard this movie where you're from, but um, maybe it's a pretty uh, influential film. It came out in 1999. Can you any guesses? 99? Is it Blair Witch? Uh huh. <sighs> you're at the yep. right podcast, people. Hell and yeah. I totally agree. That was like cultural phenomenon. That was like before yeah. the internet. So everyone thought that was real. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and it's directed by Daniel Merrick and uh, Eduardo Sanchez, which. Um, <laughs> I don't want to flex on your pod, but I'm going to do it. I'm actually interviewing Eduardo Sanchez this week. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And yes, Blair Witch is phenomenal. And I, oh my God. Yeah. As far as like found footage, like I know a lot of people don't like it, but like when this movie came out, like that was not a thing heard of. So it really yeah. pushed like digital media forward. So talk about it, man. It was your pick, not mine. Oh yeah. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, Yeah. I, I mean, this isn't like the first found footage that came out by any means. I think like the first one that most people think are like cannibal holocaust i think that's like one of the first ones that people think of but this movie like this movie and i say that i've said this a lot this movie walked so that fucking paranormal activity cloverfield all these fucking found footage movies that we have now could run honestly i don't think we would have all these found footage movies if it weren't for the blair witch project like horror i feel like would be a completely different like and i feel like that's to say about like scream halloween like all these movies like there's always one or two movies in a decade that come out that completely change the game of the horror genre forever. And I feel like this is one of those movies and just like the marketing behind it was genius. I love the whole process of how they, you know, did the the movie where the, the fact that they had these actors actually camping out in the woods where they were rationing their food so that their reactions to like their irritability was like realistic on camera. There were just so many things that they did. They would like, hide certain things from the actors so they didn't know what the fuck was going on like it's it's it sounds filmmaking man it's guerrilla filmmaking and like the fact that this movie was made on i think like oh what was it like a 
I want to say like a 50,000. They even maybe. have a budget really technically. Pro- they probably have to say it did, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And this is like one of the most profitable horror films of all time. Like this yeah. movie made millions and millions and millions of dollars. It's still and, in the top three for sure. And it's just like, this movie is like, I feel like it's, and it's kind of sad. This movie, it makes me sad that um, kids of like, like people growing up in this generation will never know what it was like to see that movie back when it came out. I mean, I didn't see it when it came out personally, I was too young, but I, I remember being young enough to still appreciate it for what it is. Like I remember watching it with my friend. The first time I watched it, I watched it with one of my friends that lived next door and we, we put it on and it it scared the shit out of us. It's a scare. It's fucking scary. Like, and you know, similar to the other picks on my list, like not a lot happens in this movie either. It's literally, three documentary filmmakers go out into the woods to do a documentary about this witch that supposedly lives out there. And I mean, it's a lot of just like, you don't see anything. You just, it's a lot more visual stuff that you hear. And like the visual shit is so scary. Like the scariest scene to me personally is the scene where they're hearing all the little kids outside the tent, fucking like laughing and giggling. Oh, it's so fucking creepy. Like it gives me chills. I hate that part and the tongue part. Like when I first saw that movie, I didn't see that coming because it is such a reserved movie. And then he opens it up and he's like, it's a fucking tongue. I'm like, and there's like teeth and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome, man. And I'll be honest, like the best thing about this movie is like inspired, like, every 15 year old to steal their parents handy cam and go outside and like film <laughs> movies. And like, it's awesome. Like it just felt yeah. like so obtainable that I can make something this good. Yeah. So that's the beauty of that movie. And it's one of those movies that can never be replicated again, never. just because time like, capsule. yep. It's like one of those movies that came out in that perfect time, like right before the internet was like a big thing before people could actually like look shit up for themselves. So like when they marketed this movie, they marketed it as like a real thing. They had actually the actors go into hiding for like a full year. Like I remember reading somewhere that Heather Donahue's mother was getting sympathy cards from people because they legitimately thought her daughter was dead. It's like crazy how yeah. like, and it even says at the end of the movie with the credits, it says this is like, it has like the whole, like any person's living or dead is purely coincidental. Like, and people still believe that this movie was real for the longest time. And that's just a testament to how good the acting is in, in this movie as well. Heather, I cannot believe like this blows my mind that Heather Donahue got a raspberry for worst actress for this movie. Like she got, I'm pretty sure she got nominated and I'm like, uh, did we watch the same fucking movie? Because Heather Donahue She's one of the best scream queens I've ever seen in a horror movie. Like her scream is terrifying. Like when she's like running through the house trying to find Mike, when she sees him in the basement, those final moments of like the movie when she's screaming. Oh my God. It's so scary. And it legitimately feels like you're watching people get killed on camera. Like it's so scary. And yeah, this movie is a masterpiece. I fucking love this movie. Um, I I agree. I agree. Yeah, very. It's very much one that I very much enjoy. And it is a time capsule. So I it was kind of like the very first like creepy pasta. Like it was just one of those like folklores that everyone was into like and like everyone had theories and everyone like had stuff like this. So like, I mean, I, I, I still love it. I know a lot of, you know, kids today and stuff just won't understand like People didn't have cell phones like in their yeah. hands like that. People didn't have access to the internet like that. Like it wasn't like that. So like they'll poke holes in it, but it's just like you never lived in the nineties and early two thousands <laughs> where, you know, you're trying to do your homework online and your mom picks up the phone and cuts off your homework. You know? yep. People don't <laughs> or, understand dial up and shit. Or you live with the neener, neener. Oh, <laughs> it's like Neener, neener, neener. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Remember, it took like two weeks to download a JPEG. And you're like, yeah, when it finally did. Yeah. 
Do oh not call God. grandma this week. I'm trying to see this JPEG. <laughs> We're at the forehead right now. Oh so. my God. Yeah. It's great. Oh, yeah. I love the Blair Witch. And I cannot wait for that episode with you, uh, you know, interviewing oh. him. I'm, I'm going to be first in line to watch, you know, watch, listen to that. <laughs> so that's going to be awesome, man. So. I'm really excited. I'm so excited. So Blair yeah. Witch was number six for you. The yes, the Blair Witch was my number six. Yeah. Anything else on Blair Witch before you write for mine? Um, no, I think I just I basically said everything I had to say, except for like I would I would say like if you are per, a person that's like growing up in this like a more modern generation and you're you have reservations towards seeing this movie because you've heard from people that it's like either boring or it's like cringy, cringy or fake. I would still consider watching it because I feel like everybody's experience with these movies is different. Like yeah. I know a lot of people think this movie is boring as fuck. Like a lot of people are like, why is that one of your favorite movies of all time? And I'm like, uh, because it's a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. That's why. Um, <clears throat> but I can understand why a lot of people don't like this movie as well. It's, it is very like nothing happens. Um, but it's yeah. more about what you don't see that's so scary to me. And that's why they're, the, you know, going back to the, that scene real quick with the people and the, with the kids outside the tent, it's that same scene where they're running through the woods and Heather just is like, what the fuck is that? Oh my God, what the fuck is that? And it's like, you don't see what she's looking at because one, they messed up the take. They were supposed to show what she saw and they never did because the camera guy never panned over to show what they, because there was supposed to be like someone standing on a hill in like a like white nightgown or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they didn't get the shot, but it's almost more effective that way because you have no idea what she's seeing, but she, you're getting a reaction that you're like, oh, fuck, whatever she's seeing, I don't want to know. And Larry you're- Cohen, a great horror director, one time said in one of my favorite horror documentaries uh, where they do like the history of horror in America, he says, the most terrifying thing you can show your audience is nothing because they're going to you know, fill in the of, blanks. They're going to think of something way more horrible than you could ever show them and that's the epitome of this movie and that's why i love it yeah yep if you have an imagination you'll like this movie (laughs) yeah if you're butt naked eating cheetos on a uh, you know beanbag probably won't you'll probably make i don't get it like uh, i don't get it i don't understand it yeah and then you'll make a noise when you stand up just like like coming off oh god <laughs> you have to peel yourself off the yeah yeah i hate that movie i was like and i hate you sitting naked on that thing you know yeah you're the worst roommate so i get it <laughs> something tells me that aubrey's had this experience before in his life <laughs> you know that you gotta subscribe to a patreon if you want that look just story. subscribe to his only fans i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah yep i sell it all there baby. <laughs> Um, it's not even nude pictures it's just his no. experiences with past roommates for it's like he gets boring, the- yeah it's just me boring sitting here just telling stories about my shitty roommates and stuff <laughs> people are like show us your dick and i'm like okay like god yeah. i was trying <laughs> to like, be okay, i was trying to be man. different Jeez. yeah i was just trying to do something else man and i show my dick and they unsubscribe so <laughs> yeah um <laughs> anyway <laughs> number six for me you ready for it man i am yeah number six for me is Alien, Ridley Scott. I talked about a director who doesn't always do horror. I know he's done some other ones, like Hannibal's kind of a pseudo like action horror movie. Yeah. Much different than Silence of the Lambs. And I like Hannibal a lot. Um, but like Alien, ooh, oh I, th- when I when I did my top 10 favorite horror movies of all time, I'm not a huge sci-fi horror fan. In fact, Me when either. I say that, I mean, I don't like sci-fi horror that much at all. Yeah. And the fact that I love this movie so much is a testament to Ridley Scott. I don't think I've ever seen a movie 
that has made me feel more claustrophobic and just like terrified and like never want to go to space now. Fuck going to the moon because nope. there's a point zero 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 one percent chance xenomorphs are real. Yeah, I don't, I don't or deal or with there's that. things that are worse than xenomorphs out there, and I don't want to encounter those either. So yeah, that's very true. That's very true. <laughs> so, but Alien, I mean, a lot of people know Alien it has one of the greatest creatures of all time in all of horror. Um, one of the best final girls ever, you know, in yep. Ripley, Sigourney Weaver, you know, she's so fucking badass. And that's the thing about Alien. Like when you watch Alien, like everyone knows she is now, but like at the time you didn't like she didn't look like the main character. And then yeah. they're killing off everyone. And like, you're like, who the fuck is the main character here? And then here comes <laughs> Ripley just being the badass bitch she is. And yep. so I, I love the Alien franchise. I think it's very good. Well, okay, like the first three, and then they're <laughs> kind of hit or miss. But Alien, the first one, is like, oh, my God, quintessential. like Masterpiece. Yes, absolute masterpiece. And I could not believe this was his first dabble into horror. You know, uh, I, I don't know. I was, I was just shocked. And Ridley Scott is a very good director, yeah. super consistent. Like, everything he does is so meticulous and great. So, yeah, I, I threw Alien on here because... Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that was the... I, I was shocked it was the first horror movie he did. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, I wrote it down real quick. But, you were like, whoa. Yeah, everyone knows Alien. Everyone knows the gist of it. So yeah, that's my number six is Alien. That's nice. I, I, I'll save my thoughts because that's also on my list, but it's a little bit higher. So okay, I, I, I won't get that. into my thoughts on it quite yet. So uh, I'll just go to my number five now, if that's cool with you, unless you had Absolutely. any more you wanted to say. No, no. I mean, Alien, I don't go much into Alien because like everyone's seen it. They, you know, they're like 30 seconds skip, 30 seconds skip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No Alien. So I, I totally understand. So, yep. Yeah, no, ready for your number five, man. Perfect. Okay. So my number five is a little film that came out a well it depends on where you look uh sometimes it says 2014 sometimes it says 2015 i'm gonna go with 2014 uh and that's gonna be it follows by david robert Hmm. robert mitchell like this movie (laughs) masterpiece fucking love this movie kind of bums me out i kind of forgot to put that on here so (gasps) well there's always next episode i was gonna say that's gonna probably fall somewhere in my next episode but please you're the smart one that put it on your list Well, Micah Monroe is also on this list twice today, so kudos to her because she's. <laughs> I fucking love Micah Monroe. First she's of dope. all, she's dope. Yeah. She's so good in this movie. Just the concept itself is like such a simple concept, and the director takes a lot of um, inspiration from like Halloween and you know all those films that came before it, but he makes his own take on it. Like you see different inspirations from movies, but it doesn't feel like he's copying anything. Like this is doesn't feel derivative. No, it it feels very like he he grew up on these movies. It almost feels like he grew up on these movies and he learned his craft and he took notes and he you know he made his own film on those uh, you know stepping stones kind of thing. And like that's how I I love this movie. I love the concept. I love the concept of you know something following you. It can look like anybody. It, you know, and I, I think that's such a terrifying concept. And and the fact that they walk and they don't run and they're always like coming towards you no matter what, because basically 50% of the time, that's also terrifying. Yes, very. Um, especially when she sees her grandfather on the roof of the house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Grandpa, your balls are on the ceiling. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like I like the concept. Like, I think it's cool. Like, it's almost kind of like a 
uh, what's the word, a metaphor for an STD, because it's it's basically about a, a girl. She goes on a date with a guy. They end up having sex, and then he basically passes whatever this curse is onto her. And she basically has to keep sleeping with other people to pass it on um, kind of a thing. So it's very much like a metaphor for like sexual assault and um, like trauma. Like it's very subtly like also about trauma and like what that does to someone after like something like that happens to them. Um, and I do have an episode actually not to do another shameless plug in, but it's one of my favorite Shame episodes away. that I've ever done. I did an episode on it follows like almost two years ago now. And it's it's like one of my favorite episodes, but we really get into that. So I won't I won't get too much into it on here, but I, I love this movie. I the cinematography is amazing. There are some great fucking scares in this movie. Yeah. The one that I'm thinking of is like one of in my top 10 scariest scenes of all time. Is it the tall man in the hallway? Yes. Yeah. That's a fucking terrifying scene. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh yeah, that this movie is just so so fucking good. It's so atmospheric. The score in this movie. I was just about to get to the score. Like some of the best work ever. The score is beautiful. Chef's it's in kiss. it's in my top five favorite scores of all time as well. So there yeah, we go. Um, definitely. When we do a top top ten scores, so list, excited. I know it's both going to be. It's going to be there for both of us. I know it will. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, there's just so many there's so many good things about this movie. Um again, to follow the the running theme with me today, it's very slow burn too. Very atmospheric. Not a lot happens. I mean, a lot happens in this movie, but it's not like what you think. It's very like not ju- it, I mean, there are some jump scares, but they're they're earned jump scares. Like it doesn't feel like a jump scare. If that makes this sense. This was kind of the first movie where I started to realize like I thought everyone had the same taste as me. And then, like, a lot of my friends, like, we would all go see, like, Hostel and stuff. And, like, they were yeah. into, like, that type of horror movie, which, trust me, I can get down on. But then we went and saw It Follows, and they were all like, I fucking hated that. I was like, what are you talking about? That was awesome. And they're like, was boring as fuck. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> you are insane. So that's yeah. when I kind of finally realized I kind of have a pretentious taste in movies, and I love it. <laughs> so I, it was kind of the first movie that drew the hard line of, like, if you can't see how that's a good movie, like clearly you probably shouldn't be watching like horror like that. You know, you're probably wanting to watch Terrifier, like, and there's nothing against that. But I'm the type of guy that like I like Terrifier for what it is, but it's not yeah. it follows. No, it never will. Be. Not even close. <laughs> no, and it, it, it just it won't it won't ever get there. It won't ever get there because it's no. like it is what it is. We're all here for blood and guts. That's what we're here for. Unfortunately. Yeah. (laughs) So when you want that, it's great. When you want something that makes you think and like, you actually want to process something and like really deep dive into a, you know, horror film. It's like, it follows is one of the best ones because it's so ambiguous, but in Mm -hmm. a good way. Like, I think that's one of the great things. I think a lot of the other stuff I hear when people don't really care for it follows, they always say, I wish they would have explained the curse more, like where it came from, what it, I was like, that's the point. Like, it's not, you're never going to get that. And I like that about it. Me too. I, I, no, I would say, Hey, I love it follows so much. Let's get a prequel in here. Let's, let's do this shit. Like, like I'm here, I'm here for it. But yeah, I I like the ambiguity of it. I like the just sheer, like, that's how it felt so real. Cause it's like, there are no answers or like when the, the first guy she passes the passes it on to just thinks it's her mom, his mom. He's like, who do you want? And pfft, you know, yeah. shit hits the fan. It's just like, that's how it would go. Like if that shit happened in real life, people, people aren't just going to look at you and be like, Oh, there's like, they're following you and we can't see it. You'd be in a hospital. Cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. You'd be in a hospital. 
and then you'd be dead two days later because it would come get you and you can't go anywhere yeah um that's how that would really go in real life but it yeah. follows is awesome it's it's so good and i'm glad you said the thing about halloween because it's almost like reverse halloween because yeah. you know they're not walking towards it like a lot of times in halloween it's walking towards them yeah it's just like oh it's just it's terrifying and great scares they're so reserved and there's a lot of times where you think something's coming and it doesn't so there's a lot of times you just kind of lull yourself to sleep and then here comes the tall man oh god oh god like just jarring imagery so yeah i I love that pick for it follows it kind of bums me out i didn't think to put it in here but (laughs) good thing we're going to do a lot more of these exactly (laughs) it gives us more opportunities i'll definitely find a place and then when we do our top tens of the top ten you're it, how, you're it follows was my sixth sense today so hey that's that's okay that's why you come on the podcast man. that's why you come on yeah um, but that was number five for you do you have anything else on it follows before we jump into my number five um i was also gonna say like uh, i kind of you kind of pointed it out a little bit like you i feel like you also just get something different from this film every time you watch it like there's just so many little details that you don't notice and i i also love you were talking about ambiguity i love that you have no idea what fucking like decade this movie is set in because it literally looks like it could be an 80s movie but it looks like it could also take place in in this day and age now like it's so cool like the the attention to detail with this movie like the fact that he went in being like i'm not gonna make any anything like you're gonna go into this movie not having any idea what time period this takes place in you're just along for the ride and it's just i love that i love I love feeling engaged with a film and I feel like this movie really engages you and it really makes you like think about things. And like you were saying with it being very ambiguous, like I like the fact that it's ambiguous. Like I really love one of my favorite endings of all time yeah. is this, this ending when you just see Jay and um, <clears throat> I forget what his name is. Is it the shot or is it following, you know? Right, right. And you can't tell. And I, I love I that. I the love only that. Answer, the only answers you get to it follows is the title. It follows. Yeah, that's that's the only answers you get. Yeah, and I I like that. I like that. I understand why some people don't. Some some people get really upset when like there's not a tight bow tied on things, and it's like that's what it is. But movies like this, it really helps to kind of have that ambiguity because it's way more terrifying that way, and it's just much leads to much more critical thinking of what the fuck's this movie about. So yeah, I, I love it. Follow. So I'm glad we got to talk about that. Oh, good. For sure. Yes. <laughs> All right. What is your number five? Number five for me might be a little, I don't know. Like, I just love this movie so very much. Speaking of ambiguous, here we (laughs) go. Um, Number five, Robert Egger, The Witch. My God. Like, I could not believe that was like somebody's first film. Like, the attention to fucking detail in that, even the dialogue, how they speak. And it's just like, it is such a reserved movie. And it's so like, in a vacuum like it's so man it's so good yeah and like anna taylor joy is just a fucking titan in that movie that's yeah that's also her film debut as well as far as like an actress so it's like wow man it's such a good movie like you would think this is like like a back-end movie for somebody it's like one of the last ones they ever do and i'll be honest Robert Egger has done the lighthouse and the northman too and i like those movies but they're not the witch like i yeah I fuck with the witch heavy. That's that's what the kids would say. But it's it's just like you do be the witch of the wood. <laughs> it's just it's just like man, it's so good in the imagery. It's just so crushing. It's just there's like no pop out parts, but like that scene where Thomason just peekaboo and the baby's yeah. gone. It just cuts his cloak full sprint in the woods. Like 
I am getting goosebumps thinking about that. that is like one of the yeah. most chilling scenes I've seen in so long. And I know a lot of people get upset in the same vein as Blair Witch. No, get to see the witch. Well, okay. It's not kind of see her. I, that's why I says you, I mean, you kind of get to it. And it's like, it's not about the witch. Like you do realize that's not really what the movie's about. Yeah. It just happens to be a fucking witch in it. Like, that's actually one of my favorite scenes though. When uh Thomason's brother is going out there and he sees like this beautiful, mm. like beautiful looking woman. And then she goes to touch him and her arm is like all gnarled and gross yep. and scared. Like it's so good. Oh, it's yes. so good. Yeah. The witch is so good. Like it is phenomenal. And very atmospheric. I I knew as soon as you were talking about all these atmospheric movies, I was like, I bet he's gonna like this one because <laughs> it's and that's all this movie is, and it's that's right up my alley. It is so good. Robert Eger has like attention to detail, like Hawkeye on stuff. Like, yeah, I remember him even saying like when they were making the clothing for the movie, they only used like items they would have had to make clothing, like yes. needles and scissors. I'm like, that is just insane. That's literally. Uh, who does that and that's <laughs> insane like that's the attention to detail and how much passion and craft he put into the witch yeah for a movie that really is very simple and dumbed down like and i mean that in the most respectful way possible yeah it's again people if you haven't seen the witch it is a very polarizing movie um i just happen to be on that side that absolutely loves it. i think yeah. it's a knockout and i could not believe it's a directorial debut and i could not believe you know, you just even saying that Anna Taylor Joy's, you know, scream debut. Ugh. There's just there's so much to love about this movie. And yeah, I love I love it very much. I I cannot wait. I know we it kind of got pushed back because he did the Northman, which I really enjoyed. I watched this weekend. It's actually really good too. Yeah. Um, but I have been just waiting with anticipation for his version of Nesferatu to come out. Oh, I know. I can, oh my I, god. I cannot. If he actually comes to fruition with that. He's been signed on to do, please, people. I I would probably give a left pinky to see <laughs> Robert Eggers' version of Nesferatu. Yes, if it's going to be anything like The Witch, I would I would give it up. I don't need that pinky. I need <laughs> this movie more yeah. than I need that pinky. But that's that's all I'm going to say on The Witch. Um, it's there's not a whole lot to deep dive into it. Besides, you're either going to love it, you're going to hate it. But if anything, wa- watch this movie and keep telling yourself this is a first time director. This is a first time yeah. director crazy insane yeah that's number five for me is the witch that's very solid i also um wanted to say like there's uh there's just like so many um what's the word that i'm trying to think of um there's so many interpretations with this film that you can like look at as well like there's so many different things like um i really we were talking about how much i love the ending of it follows oh my god i love the ending of this movie so much it gives me chills every time i watch it um, it's just so it's fucking cathartic, but it's mm-hmm. it's so good. Like it's so it's fucking good. Yes. It's and I also I also like how he kind of drops hints at you throughout the whole movie. And I've mentioned this before, where he almost kind of hints at where this movie is going with Anya Taylor Joy's character because she makes mention of certain things. Like she talks about how nice the stained glass windows were in the house that they lived in. And she talks about like having the finer things in life. So when you get to that scene, it's actually not all that surprising that she no. spoiler alert. If you guys haven't seen the witch, she basically sells her soul to the devil to get the fight to uh, live deliciously as uh, black Philip tell asks her. He's like, what's thou likes to live deliciously? Yeah. Like that. Yes. It's just like one of the creepiest ways to say that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like, it's and, so and black good. Thomason, which by the way, people, it's a black goat. Um, Anyways, like 
whispers when he talks. It's just like yeah. I, I hate it. I hate it in the best way possible. Yeah, like he tell. What does he tell her? He's like, remove your something. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't remember, but it is. It's it's phenomenal this movie, or even that whole scene where like they're casting a demon out of her younger brother. Oh and he's just yeah, scream- and it's just like, whoa! Like this is intense. Like I. It's yeah. it's phenomenal. Like even the lighting in that movie is so harsh, but it's like for a whole reason. Like so good. I don't, I don't. I don't know. There's just so much in this movie, and a lot. You kind of touched on it with it follows. Like very much so. Like you watch this movie five times, it's gonna you're gonna see it differently five different times. It's like yeah. such an atmosphere of a movie, but. And I'm glad you brought that up because I have an interesting history with this movie. I did not like this movie the first time I watched it, but that's also because I did not give it my full 100% attention because I can feel that. Yeah. And so I was just like, I thought this, the first time I watched The Witch, I was like, this movie was boring. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, this movie was so, and that's also because I kind of like, I'm opening my mind more now, but like, I, I'm not the biggest fan of period piece movies. Like, I don't mm-hmm. like movies that are set in that time period because it, they, most often and it's the same with this movie this movie is very drab as far as color palette goes and most movies that are set in that time period very drab like there's not a lot of color there's not a lot of life and it's just kind of like it's boring to me in a sense so i think that's why i went into this movie already like being like ugh, i'm not gonna like this movie and so i watched it again like like a i think a year later i watched it after i'd watched the first time i was like oh my god i'm an idiot for not liking this movie because I'm like, now I love it. I absolutely adore the witch. Uh, it's, I'm actually kicking myself that I didn't put it on my list as well, but it's going to be, you know, on a future we'll, list. So we'll yeah, talk we'll, about we'll it. Hear, we'll hear it from later. And I'll be honest, like I said, you'll see it five different ways. One of those five ways is probably, I hate this movie. Like, to <laughs> yeah. be honest. Cause like, that's kind of the point. Like you say it's drab and stuff and I fully agree. And it's kind of like, that's just how life was. Like I am with you. I'm not a huge, like period piece guy. Yeah. Eggers does it. He like is so meticulous. It feels transported. Like when I'm watching movies that are period pieces and they just kind of like talk you in like you and I, I'm like, this is so wrong. Yeah. This is not like, it's not selling it for me when they are talking. (laughs) Thou art this. And I'm like, Jesus, this almost sounds like the old Testament. Yeah. I'm like, this almost sounds like the old Testament. Like, what am I reading at the, what am I listening to? Yeah. He's just so meticulous. And that's why I really like the Northman too. Just to plug him a little bit more. Very, very similar. It's, it's a very Nordic, like the way they talk and stuff. It's not like it's sometimes you're like, what the fuck is he saying? Like, I don't get what he's trying to allude <laughs> what did to he me. Say? Yeah, you're like, okay, cool, man. This way, like, we're going that way. Like, yeah. Like, but yeah, Northman's really cool. If you like, like, the witch and like really meticulous detail, and uh, I know Northman has a lot more violence, a lot more action, a lot more fighting. So yeah. It's super, super dope. I wasn't a huge fan of The Lighthouse. I wasn't a huge fan. It was a total one timer for me. Um, but the witch is the complete opposite. And man, I he Eggers is kind of like Peel. It's like, okay, your worst movie's above average. <laughs> You're okay, doing pretty can, good for yourself. I, I, I can live with that. I can live with that, man. So very excited. And like I said, if it ever comes to fruition of him getting to do that Nesferatu movie, because he also wrote that one too. Yeah. So I could I, man, I could mm, I could not be more excited if he ever gets to do that. Um I'm love so me some excited. Eggers. Yeah. yeah. So that was number five for me, The Witch. So we're on your number four, correct, Michael? We are, yes. All right, let's go. Um, and my number four was actually your number six. So it's Alien. Yeah. Uh, I- and, it, you know, directed by Ridley Scott. And uh, basically everything you said, I, I hold the same sentiment. I think that this fucking movie is perfection. I don't think we've ever gotten an Alien 
quite like this the look of this one like it just the design in it of itself is so cool the design of this fucking alien is everything to me like the fact that it can blend in with its environment the fact that it's like seven feet tall the fact that like somebody actually wore the costume but it doesn't even look like somebody's wearing a costume it's so insane to me and there's that one scene where she makes it into the escape pod and she thinks that she's home clear and you see the fucking head of the alien behind her the entire time in the shot but you think it's one of the pipes like it's so genius and then when he actually like pops out it's like oh holy fucking shit and he comes like crawling yeah he comes crawling out of there and it's just so fucking effective and this movie, like, I was already afraid of space. I, I, two things in this world I will never fuck with, and that is the ocean and space. And this movie solidified that with for me. Actually, three things. Sorry, the Blair Witch also made me never want to fuck with the woods. I don't fuck with either one of those things. So um, this movie definitely, like, solidified. Yeah, I don't need to go to space. It's fine. I'll stay here on yeah, Earth. That's cool. Um, I, I want nothing to do with space. No, me either. And to, um, to piggyback off that ocean thing, 0% chance of a shark attack in a pool. Just saying. That's true. Yeah. 0% chance. Very true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I Yeah, I just... This fucking movie, the shots are brilliant. The cinematography is beautiful. And I like... I, like, I wanted to also touch on what you said earlier about... Um, uh, oh my gosh. I'm. How am I thinking? Sigourney Weaver... Th- Sorry, it took me a You're second. Uh, the fact that like she's not dead set as the main character in this movie right away is so smart to me. Like that was a really interesting choice to like make her like the one of the only females in like a mostly male dominated like spaceship spacecraft. So you think that like you know like the captain or whatever he's the main character because she's kind of she's there in every scene, but she's also kind of just in the background at first. And then like, she really gets her like stripes towards the end of the movie. And you, there's that switch where you start to realize, Oh shit, she's the main character. And like, it's just so good. Like her so good. There's so many good shots in this movie. Like I said, there's the one shot where her hand comes up over the grate. (sighs) Uh, beautiful there's the shot of like the fucking the first time you ever see the alien like the reveal i love that and i love the way like the cat looks at it when it sees it oh in his eyes and you see the reflection of it yeah and like you alluded like probably my favorite shot is one of two things like you said the escape pod one because that is so like turn around bitch turn around like (laughs) that's such one of those moments or also like you said like when he's in the air tunnels and you think the main character dallas i think is his name oh yeah yeah and it's just like the light flashes and it's it's right there you're just like gee i shit my pants every time (laughs) i never get the timing right on that and it scares me every time because it's such a sound piercing squeal and like you said you get to see it and you're like jesus like uh uh-oh and yeah alien masterpiece absolute masterpiece so i i and i know a lot of people's favorite movie in the alien franchise is aliens you know that james cameron did i disagree fully i I think that movie is way too action-packed yes that's my thing it It lacks everything that the first movie had like not to say that it's a bad movie it's just i don't understand when people are like i think aliens is better and i'm like no 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 it's not the first alien is like what i want that's what i want Uh, and like you aliens is closer to terminator which i.e james cameron totally <laughs> makes sense yeah i mean but it's just like i i couldn't agree more with that sentiment with you you know that was one of the reasons i was a big fan of prey this year the new predator movie mm. was like it did not seem very like it, it wasn't very like there, the action was great and there was not 
no action, but like, it wasn't just that it wasn't yeah. just fighting and it wasn't just that, you know, it, it was much better. And like, once the action got there, it made it that much more thrilling. So yeah, totally agree. Uh, alien is just, you know, <sighs> to me, the best horror sci-fi movie ever. Oh That's yeah. Just, uh, you know, f- I always forget about the thing. I always forget yeah, about the thing. That one's I good that. too. That, if but that that's one's not technically sci-fi. set in space. So, yeah. So, I mean, if, if we're going sci-fi route, I mean, it's one A and one B for me. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For and sure. I can't believe that this, the alien is 44 years old now. And Gosh, it's still man. like, it's still like you watch it and it like the, it still holds up. Like yes. it, 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 it looks like a movie that was made before it's time. Like the yeah. practical effects, the way the fucking set design looks like you, it legitimately feels like you're in space. Like it doesn't feel like it's a set. It doesn't feel like, and it's like with movies that came out in that time period, like sometimes I feel like you can tell when it's a set. Cause like it doesn't, it, it hasn't aged well. This movie yes. fucking has aged so well. It literally yes. looks like a movie that could have been made like last year. Yeah, it looks better than a lot of movies that come out now. And that's, yeah. the, be- that's the brilliance of Ridley Scott. All the shots are like, right on you so you don't get all that and then he also knows how to play with the shadows and stuff yeah so your mind fills in the blanks and he just gives you enough to know what your mind should be feeling it's man it's it's technically undefeated like it's it's gorgeous it's gorgeous and again my favorite pro- i've never i don't think i've ever done a top 10 monsters list but if we did xenomorph is definitely oh, top three yeah for, for sure. sure for sure for me gonna be top three absolutely so good so that was number four for you. That correct? was my number four. Yeah. Okay. And number six for me. And I have no qualms with it being number four. It, it could have been much higher for me as well, too. <laughs> but we're splitting hairs. But Seriously. my number my number four is Kubrick's The Shining. Oh, that's and my I, number three. So. Okay. So we're really close. And yeah. again, I, kind of in the same vein as Scott, Ridley Scott, did a lot of movies. This is really going to be his first horror attempt and kind of only. I know we his talked only, about yeah. off mic. I was going to say, we talked a lot about it off mic. Whether you want to debate if a Clockwork Orange is or isn't, to me, it's more like a crime drama thriller. Yeah, it's like, like a it's, film it's, noir I, type of thing. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't consider it horror horror. It's more like the only horrifying thing is how bad those fucking people are in the future. Yeah. But, yeah. but that's the commentary of the movie. Like, that's, that's what it's supposed to be. But anyways, tangent aside, The Shining, goddamn it, like, is just a <laughs> masterpiece of a yeah. movie, let alone a horror movie. And Kubrick is one of my favorite directors of all time. And this movie is, there's so much. There's just absolutely so much. It is literally mind-boggling, all the shit he threw in there just for red herrings, for people to scream and debate about what the fucking movie's about. Yeah. They literally made a documentary on what that movie was about and all the theories and you'll never know. Kubrick was such a recluse. <laughs> yeah. he, like he had pet raccoons people. Like he was <laughs> he was odd. He was very odd. That actually that, sounds like a dream. I love raccoons. I want a trash uh, panda as a I, pet. So. I like raccoons too but I will say like once they start to get big like they're really fun but then they start to get like independent because this yeah. sounds super weird. In Missouri there's a lot of people here that actually have pet raccoons. Like, oh, like if for like if for some like well, you do until they start getting testy because they have thumbs, dude, and they go for the eyes. So you gotta <laughs> oh, be careful. Hundred percent. That's not a joke. They will try to eye gouge you. Oh with shit. Their thumbs. So like, tangent aside, if you ever think about getting one, you gotta be very careful because they hit like an adolescent age, mm. like a lot of them, and they kind of get testy. So that's a, a lot of them. Like here in Missouri, what usually happens is like if like a raccoon dies and you find a nest, like they'll just keep them till they get to that adolescence oh. age and be like. 
There you go. Have fun. Let them back out there. Yeah. Let them go roam free. But they are hilarious. If you ever get a pet raccoon, the best thing to do is give them saltine crackers because they always dip their food before they eat it. Yeah. just dissolves. And they get so pissed every time. And they just keep doing it. They'll do it with the whole pack. But And they anyways, make the cutest little sounds, too. They're like, I can't really do it, but it's like, yeah, it kind of sounds raccoons, like a... Raccoons are cool. Like, I hate possums. Love them. Oh, we know. <laughs> Yeah, I hate fucking possums. I fucking hate those things. They like actually legitimately scare. So you're that kid that's in. You're that kid that's in the Goofy movie that's getting dragged into the possum. The possum. He's like, no. Then his dad's like, drag it. That's you. That's the animated version of Aubrey. Yeah. No, the difference is I would cripple my parents and not go in there. I'd go full raccoon, gouge their eyes out, run away because I'm not going in Lester's possum farm. Just not happening. Yeah. Anyways, uh, tangent aside. Yeah. Kubrick was a weirdo. <laughs> that yeah. and, yeah. he, uh, and he just, he's a master artiste, man. Like I, nobody, he's so, he, there's so much mystery to him and like yeah. what he was doing and like what he wanted to do with film. And like, I don't know. I, there's just, there's so much on Kubrick. That's very interesting to read on. And well, I and wish you would have done more horror. I, I really agree. Do. Well, and I think it's also kind of funny. Cause I'm like, I sometimes often think like, what if just like, you know, people are reading so much into this movie and it's just like if Kubrick was alive today, he'd be like laughing at everybody and being like, just like, because there's some people that are like, oh, but there's like something missing in the next shot. And he wouldn't intentionally do that because he was so detail oriented. And I was like, but you know, maybe he forgot to put something back in the shot. And maybe that's just him being like, maybe that's just him being like, yeah, actually I'm not as, you know, um, I wasn't thinking as much into it as I thought. I just forgot to put that's the how desk back into the is. background. He, so that's how genius he is. He's so like, like if you forgot something, he could just play it off as I am a genius. You know, it's yeah. Kubrick. And uh, I mean, again, we'll never know if it was intentional. What was intentional? What wasn't intentional? All I know is the shining will always be great. And you know what? I know a lot of people don't like it, but I like that he gave a big mill finger. To Stephen King was like, I'm not going to make the shining how you want it. Yeah. I'm do it how Kubrick wants to do it. I mean, even that opening scene with the beetle, like the, the VW bug was a total middle finger, yep. to, you know, to him, just a big middle finger. And I know Stephen King hated it. I hated it, which really bums me out. Cause they're like two of my favorite, like people in, in far yeah. as like horror and stuff. But I mean, it is what it is. Two big egos get in there. Probably not going to work out that well, but yeah, the, Shi- the Shining's immaculate. A lot of people who don't like it love the book and hate the ending because it's so different. But I fucking, I love The Shining. Everything about it and the fact that this was Kubrick's first and only attempt at horror, yeah, bums me out. But it's your number three, right? So yeah. I, I actually just kind of like sunk your battleship for the next. Oh, you're one, so fine. Yeah, you stole my thunder. God, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I knew, I knew, I pretty sure our top three besides the one that i know is going to be on your top three is like i think our top three is basically the same so. yeah. <laughs> that one yeah that part um, <laughs> um but no i mean this movie is a masterpiece um like the shots are meticulous the hotel itself is like such a character because i will say like the one thing I know he did intentional, like like this, the layout of this hotel just makes no fucking sense. And like, it's just so disorienting. <laughs> and yes, it's, yes. And it's supposed to be that way because like, you're supposed to feel like you're slowly losing your mind with, with these characters. And I just, Oh my God, like this, just the shots. There's so many memorable shots in this movie. You know, you get like the twins standing in the hallway, you get the fucking blood elevator, which if I'm correct, 
in saying this, I think I heard this fact somewhere. It took them an, an almost a full year just to film that shot of the blood coming out of the elevator because Stanley Kubrick was so anal about it not looking right. Like he was like, the blood isn't the right color. It's not coming out correctly. It's not like, and it's just that that attention to detail. I respect it, but at the same time, I also have a bone to pick with Kubrick because of that. <laughs> And that's mostly just because his treatment of Shelley Duvall. Like I am, I'm a Shelley Duvall defender. I always fucking will be. And like, personally, I think that movie led to her like mental health decline, like to how she is today. I think that yeah, movie I, had a lot to do with it. It kind of feels like she's still stuck in the hotel, man. Like how <sighs> she is today. And it's so sad. Cause it's like, I I'm happy to hear that she's in a horror film. I think it's very, a very low budget horror film, but she's like in a horror film like this year. And talking about like, iconic scenes like my favorite is definitely jack torrance when he's just staring with his eyes down just in the slow zoom mm. of just like right into him that's when it's like uh-oh and the and like, the fucking score in that movie is nothing yeah. like is it's not anything like i've ever heard in my entire like that score it is, is not of this world it's in my top five too so yeah uh, we get I, there yeah it's yeah, gonna be it, hard to cut that one down oh my one. god i know um but yeah, like there's just so many iconic scenes in this movie. You know, I think you were talking about your favorite scene is the one where he's just staring off like like a fucking crazy person. My favorite scene is the all Jack, all work and no play makes Jack adult. Like that entire scene is so fucking good. And I that's the scene that broke like the Guinness World Record for the number. I think it was like 127 or something takes of like. Really? Wow. And poor fucking Shelley Duvall. Like people talk about how <laughs> bad of an actress she is in this movie. And I'm like, uh, she was not acting. Like no. she was legitimately like her hair was fucking falling out during this movie. She was and losing I think her that mind. Was kind of what Kubrick was doing, and that's not fair. Like I, I yeah. think, I mean, he's he just. I think with him and like master artists, what they don't understand is like, hey man, like some people don't understand this isn't for the art. Like it's all for the art. Like we're sacrificing yeah. for the art. You know, people are people at the end of the day, man. Like, people have their limits. Yeah, and you can't treat people certain ways. Like, and you can't like wear people down that thin. And especially when you're that like huge of a person, like you're fucking Kubrick. That's Spielberg before Spielberg. Yeah, and here you are just belittling and just fucking just. Yeah. yeah. At well, that point, you're like, okay, well, this is what I always wanted to do, and it's the worst thing that's ever fucking happened to me. Well, and I, and I don't know if you've ever watched, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, there's a whole bunch of behind-the-scenes featurettes on The Shining, and it's just so sad to see, like, Shelley Duvall, because she there's one scene in particular where she talks about how, like, Jack is such a star, and how everybody, like, comes to see him, and and it's like, but you're just as equally as big of a star as Jack Nicholson is. Like, you are you are just as much of uh like an important person in this movie but like she talks down about herself a lot i've noticed when i watch her interviews and then you see a lot of like the director behind the scenes treating her like utter garbage like he isolates her from everybody like he he talks to jack nicholson as if he's like on the fucking like top pedestal and then he talks to shelly duvall like she's at the very fucking bottom like she's talking about like how her hair is falling out and he's like oh just get over it shelly let's go we need to we need to shoot and it's just like the amount of gaslighting and fucking like mental manipulation is just so disgusting to me and so it's like as much as i love the shining and as much as i appreciate kubrick for giving us this movie because it's like literally in my top three favorite films horror films of all time like i still it still puts a bad taste in my mouth with the when i think about how badly he treated her like it yeah, just, it's always the question at what at what cost you know yeah. of course it's a great movie and her performance is like jesus and like what you know 
as far as like Scream Queen, like you want to talk about some of the best screaming, some of the best acting in that sense. Like, yeah, Shelley Duvall's definitely up there. And it's just, but then the proverbial question at what cost? <laughs> exactly. Like, that's, 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 that's always the thing. And man, separating artist and art is always really difficult because, like, it's not as simple as like you or I doing this podcast, whereas like if we were horrible people, people just quit listening to us and stuff. There's a lot of people that put a lot of hard work into that. And so if you're just going back, well, Kubrick was an asshole, so I'm boycotting. Yeah. A lot of people put a lot of time and a lot of effort, like Joey Duvall acting, Jack Nicholson acting, like all the production people, like all this stuff, like you're pretty much ostracizing them at that point. So that's the hardest thing for me. You know, yeah. it's, uh, it falls very much into the Polanski thing. You know, I, oh, yeah horrible disgusting human being like fucking fuck him i don't i i don't care what happens to him but then there's some stuff like repulsion and mia farrow and rosemary's baby and stuff and it's like you know if you say fuck him and like we can't watch that stuff and we can't do this and we can't appreciate it just because his name's attached to it we're also saying that about them yeah. whether you mean to or not so yeah. that's you're totally right and that's just how i this is a bad way to say it but it's the only way i can think to say it that's the only way i justify it just it's separate like, the art from the artist yeah yes yeah, that's the only way I justify. It. I'm not friends with Kubrick. I'm not <laughs> friends with these people. Yeah, I, I just enjoy their art, and yeah. I get it that you might be supporting and like you know helping in that sense. But that that's where you have to decide what where's your limit, what's your line, you know, and that type of stuff. And yeah, I I, I fully agree with you there. But yeah, The Shining is an absolute masterpiece. Oh, so no, number three for you and number four for me. So I mean, that's, yeah, that tells you something. Oh people, yeah, like. And for it to be a horror debut, it's just insane. insane. I wish you would have done yeah. more. It blows my mind. Yeah. My number three. Are we? Well, my number three, because Shine was that. Well, yep. this is Rin, 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 the one you don't want to hear. This is Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre. We won't take much time hey, on it. Take we, as much time as you want. I have well, no we, qualms. We, have ju- we just discussed it last time we were on here. So we they, people kind of know where we both stand on it. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. But, like every everything you say you don't like about it is perfectly on point and correct. That's just what I like it for. So there's no wrong answer. It's just how you digest the art and how you like it. So I love the fact that it almost is somewhere in between Blair Witch Project and stuff like that, where it feels very guerrilla film styled and like, woo yeah. man, it's in like very much like you were talking about how you loved how he kind of put people in situations that made them uncomfortable to help their acting very similar here mm-hmm. hot as fuck like disgusting like this it's just one of those movies i feel i can smell i always say <laughs> yeah. that all the time it's just it's one of my favorites of all time and i and i couldn't believe like this was toby hooper's first you know film and yeah. one of my favorite shots in horror of all time i just love at the end that sunset the pure wedding and the just like i don't know the grunting and the he's just like angry and it's just great and then it just ends and it's just like what the fuck did i just watch <laughs> yeah it just feels like you just shot a bunch of heroin it's like what the hell like my life is over now like i don't know there's this is too bleak i hate this <laughs> which is so funny why i love the second one so much it's such a stark contrast to the first one yeah if that one's heroin that one's cocaine like that's that's how that goes but yeah we won't spend much time on it man um because we both know how we feel about it and Texas Chainsaw is it for me, Toby Hooper's number three. So we are on to number two, unless you want to say anything about Texas Chainsaw. Oh, I just want to say again that I like, I appreciate all the art and like the, the blood, like the literal blood, sweat and tears that went into this movie. I just, this movie similar to how you feel about the Babadook. It's just not for me. Like I, I, I get, I get why people like it. 
I understand it, but I personally, I'm just like, I'm never, I've never been fond of this movie. Like, I'm just like, I've maybe seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre maybe five, six times in my entire life. And I'm yeah. good with never watching it again. It's just like, and I, I know like specific scenes from the movie and stuff. Like there are things that I like about it. It's just for me, I'm just like, oof, nah, nah, man. Totally understand that cinema. I'm going like to, I'm going to, I'm going to watch Halloween over texas chainsaw any day so <laughs> yeah and, and i again like exactly like you said it's the exact same sentiment with like the babadook for me it's like oh i get it i just didn't get it, care for it. yeah, I just, <laughs> yeah. Didn't, I just didn't really care for it so totally understand that man there's no right or wrong answer um and it did you know spawn one of the greatest careers in horror for directing toby hooper who yeah. is criminally underrated people like everyone talks about wes craven and john carpenter and you know all these people and they should but like Man, Toby Hooper gave us a lot of great ones, like the Fun House, and yeah. you know all uh, Poltergeist, and Poltergeist, like all these yeah. great. I always forget that he movies. directed Poltergeist. Like, yes, because that's why I love. That's why I'm such a big fan of Toby Hooper's because yeah. he did his stuff was never the same. Tell me if the Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre is anything like Poltergeist? Not at all. No, at all. <laughs> And so that's why I liked him. He was very versatile. And so, you know, rest in peace, Toby Hooper, one of my favorites to ever do it. I think he's criminally underrated. Yeah. You know, he's kind of one of those masters of horror that people don't talk about enough. So I always do when I can. And Texas Chainsaw is just, that's probably another reason I like it because I'm such a fan of Hooper. Yeah. And it's just kind of on the career of him. You know, same, same, same thing when I'm sure we get to our number ones. It, it, oh, it very yeah. much in the same there because i have a sneaking suspicion we have the same number one so do i but I, i'm very interested in your number two because i also have a sneaking suspicion we might be similar here too because yeah i haven't heard you mention it i know how you feel about the film and i haven't mentioned it either and everyone knows how i feel about the film so yes. what is your number two michael i'm kind of curious my number two is a film that came out in 2018 and that's going to be hereditary by ari ding, Aster. Ding, ding. there's my number two yep exactly yeah one and two are going to be the same here. i could not I, not put this on my list are yes. you fucking kidding me like absolutely, this movie absolutely. I, I, once once we got to about five and i hadn't heard it <laughs> i was like okay i, I think we're gonna have the same one and two and yeah we people I, I will say this we don't talk about this we're hearing this in live yeah. live action so it's just i just i've gotten to a point where i know michael's taste i know what he likes i <laughs> yeah. know what movies i know what he likes and, and i know what, what aubrey likes so exactly and so it's definitely like that's my number two two people like that's a lot of twos to say that's my number two two two, 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 two people two 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 yeah so <laughs> but hereditary yeah absolute fucking mammoth movie but you it's your turn to shine talk about it man uh well i mean just like for starters like we've been talking about this entire episode like we cannot believe that this was like the the feature film debut of somebody like this is just like this is someone that i feel like has made at least five more horror films before this one like this one just feels like a fucking like (laughs) behemoth like an alien or a halloween or a fucking it follows it just feels it's i mean there's a reason why people are saying that this is the scariest film they've ever seen and i mean like i i i agree with that to a certain extent like this film um really it's definitely one of the most unsettling i I don't know if i'd say scary but i guess we're splitting hairs on terminology there it's unsettling (laughs) isn't it scary yeah yeah i i don't know this movie this movie fucking did something to me i had to go home and turn on all the lights in my house so i mean it, it freaked I, I literally me out. went home and showered like i just felt weird yeah like, i just felt weird like i i couldn't uh, my equilibrium was so off in that movie <laughs> and i mean that in the best way possible as soon as soon as the little girl's head gets knocked off i'm oh, like God. i have no it's very similar to kind of like barbarian i was like okay i have no fucking clue where this movie's going 
And I love that. I, yeah. I, I love, cause I, I spend so much time watching movies. And I spend so much time like deconstructing narratives that I know where a lot of things are going. So when something can just like flabbergast me and just have me sitting there, like, when it I don't can, even know how much time's gone by. I'm, I'm yeah. so impressed. When it can when it can make an entire movie theater so quiet that you can fucking hear a pin drop for ten minutes straight, like yes. you know you fucking did your job. Because I will never, I will never forget my experience with this movie in the theater. Like I just like it's probably my favorite theater experience of all time. Like of any movie that I've ever seen in the theater, I think this is still to date probably my favorite one um searching comes a close second because i fucking love that movie so much but um with hereditary like it was just like oh my god like from the opening shot like i just knew that this movie was gonna be something special i was just like oh my god like because you can we talk about how beautiful the cinematography in this is in this movie because it's just like you get this first shot where it's just like a very slow sweeping shot around like this room and then you slowly close in on like this miniature of this house and the fucking miniature turns into like the real life version of the bedroom. It was so fucking cool. And I was just like, I knew in that moment, I was like, this movie is going to be special and I'm going to love this movie. I'm going to adore it. I just knew it from the first shot. And this movie. Oh, my gosh. It's just it's like hard <laughs> to describe this movie because it's just so meticulous. The acting Tony Collette. We talked about her prior to, with the sixth sense. This is her fucking like bread and butter right here. This is her. Oh my God. This is like Tony Collette at her best. Like this is the best we've seen of Tony Collette in any movie that I've ever, I mean, I've always known that Tony Collette was a great actress, yeah, honest, but that's when I went watching Oscars and stuff when she didn't even get nominated. Like I'm like, fuck this yeah. shit. Like I, clearly you guys don't even watch the films. Like I, I, yeah. Winning and stuff is subjective. I get that. But you cannot tell me in 2018 there were five better performances by an actress than Tony Collette. You just can't. There isn't, no. Like, it, it was that obvious. Like, there's no nomination. Like, I don't even think she got a Golden Globe and horror is, like, separate. It, comedy and horror is separate, isn't it, in the Golden Globe? So, yeah. after that, I at that point, I was like, okay. Well, kind of lost is respect like, a little bit. Yeah, this is, this is kind of like how they put it, like one of those old man clubs. It's like, okay, this is the, bitter old, the with, bitter old yeah, man brigade. Yeah, yeah. It, has not, it has nothing to do with artistry and shit. So, I, I love that you called your, yours the not Oscars. I love that. That was you just know, me being was, petty, yeah. That was well, just being I a petty agree. bitch. So. I agree. That's when I quit. <laughs> that's why I quit watching award shows. I used to like really do big things every year about because I loved them so much i will say the one i the the thing that really gained my respect back for the oscars a little bit was when parasite won basically every single fucking award yeah. in its category because that movie can be classified as a horror film i think yeah, like yeah, for sure so for the fact it's that that said lambs can it can yeah so for the fact that that movie got nominated for every pretty much every single fucking award i was like thank you thank you for acknowledging a movie that fucking deserves it first of all and thank you for also acknowledging like a Korean director that yeah. like, ugh. anyway, I fucking love parasite. I, I was kind of bummed that that was not, um, I forget his, his name. Right? That it was uh, not bong, bong, bong something. Bong. Gosh, I it's sleep. I'm I can't remember the middle part of it. Bong Be, ho chung or something, something like, like that. Can't. Because I think the host is his first horror film that she, yes. he ever did. Yes, so is. I was like, God yeah. damn it. I really wanted to talk about parasite today. <laughs> Fuck. Well, the host was, is good too. The host, host is, is real, too. very good. But yes. I was like, "Fuck!" I really it's wanted to talk about Parasite yeah. today, but it's fine. 
That's cool. And we'll we can maybe do like time. second directorial. <laughs> we'll do like J and K horror movies. There we time. go. Yeah. They are number one. So. <laughs> well, actually I know what yours would be. It could be my one and your two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, hereditary just, I, I, I have no bad things to say. It's definitely, you said it was probably your favorite theater experience. It's definitely yeah. up there for me. It's definitely the horror movie. I evangelized the most to like everyone. Like yeah. even people that didn't like horror, I recommended it to them. Cause I was like, this is so much bigger than horror. Like kind of like the same thing with the silence of the lambs. Like a lot of people who didn't like horror, like that movie. Yeah. It was like that gargantuan to me. I was like, this movie is different people. Like this is something else. And then, you know, here we come. He comes right back at us. Ari Aster with Midsommar. <sighs> and you're like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so, and then we're Bo getting Bo is Afraid looks fucking it looks, wild. It looks wild. I, I don't <laughs> know where it's going, but I will say this people. Um, gosh, why can't I think he did a short Ari Aster. Oh, and it's like an incest type of movie. Yes. I was going to say very uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's very weird. It's like, don't tell the Johnsons or what the Johnsons talk about or something like that. Or don't. Yeah. Something about the Johnsons. I think. Yes. Yeah. Something like something about the Johnsons. It is incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. So I, I don't know. So I know he can get (laughs) weird. I know he can get weird. Um, so I, Bo is afraid looks. I don't Absolutely. know if I'm going to like that one, to be honest with you. you know I'm just I like, look- it's maybe a little too weird for me, but I'm going to give it a chance because it is Ari Aster. So yeah. I'm just like, and I will say it just, it kind of like when I, when I first, I, I, I kind of like the other title for it. It was disappointment Boulevard. I, oh, I mean, yeah. I haven't seen, I haven't seen the movie, but maybe that was just a gimmick name, but like that name sounds much more dramatic and like oh, enticing to me than Bo is afraid. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I kind of like Bo is afraid because it's like, what is he afraid of? I'm curious. Then I watched the trailer and I was like, this looks almost secret life of Walter Mitty to me. I thought the same thing. I was like, this feels like the secret life of Walter Mitty on fucking bath salts is what it felt like to me. Yeah. And that's that kind of worries me. But uh, like (laughs) you said, it's Aster. So it's kind of like, it was the same thing with us with Jordan Peele. I was like, what the fuck? What? Yeah. When I saw the trailer. And then I saw I know a lot of people don't like us. I really enjoy us. I know it's super convoluted, but once you kind of yeah. untie that double knot that is that storyline, it is very good. I enjoy us when I shut my brain off and don't yes. think about the glaring plot holes and inconsistencies. But I really do yeah. like us as well. So Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's definitely one of the things that I I'm excited to see Bo's Afraid, but again, a lot of that just kind of comes on the back of this is the guy who gave us Hereditary and Midsommar. I think I think the biggest thing is like, yeah, he hasn't done a lot of movies, but every movie he does gets a little less horror and a little less horror, it feels like. So I'm scared he's going to start turning into like, you know, doing something totally different than horror, which I guess it doesn't scare me because I'm sure his movies will be great. I just selfishly want him to do horror. <laughs> me too. I want him to keep on this trajectory of what he's doing right now. I'm like, please. I think they should have our personally. Here's here's a here's a take. I think they should have Ari Aster direct the trilogy of The Exorcist. Well, it'd be better than David Gordon Green. I mean, I haven't yeah. even seen David Gordon Green's, but I I could put some money on it, and I would think I would get a pretty good return on my investment there. Yeah. I, the I term don't know. is safe bet. <laughs> safe, safe bet. Yeah, I. Yeah, but that that would be the term there. Yeah, <laughs> but back to hereditary. Sorry, we went on a little <laughs> bit of a. No, no, we were talking about Ari Aster. It's all the same. So. Yeah, that's true. No, everything about hereditary is great. I don't really have any. I can't say any more about it than I already have, especially yeah. in private on this podcast. Like, there's there's no holes in it for me. Like, you can come argue with me all you want. And I'm just going to shut the door in your face. <laughs> 
we're not having this conversation because we're there's not, no conversation not. to be had. We're well, this, I just, I, yeah, this movie's perfect. And that's it. Like it. When people don't tell me they like, it, I said, well, this conversation is over because there's literally nothing you could do to change my mind. Even if my mother was like, I will disown you if you keep liking hereditary. I'd be like, okay, deuces. Guess what? I'm watching on Thanksgiving and Christmas when I'm not here. Yeah. Hereditary. If you have anything to say about it, please feel free because I could listen to people talk about hereditary all day. Another film that uh, the score is in like my top scores of all time. The score is fucking perfection. We're going to have to do that list soon. Oh, we keep we are. saying that. We so are. We're going to have to do that list pretty soon. You and I are big. You and I are big things. Like you and I are big fucking horrors with sc- horror movie scores. Like, we yeah. should get we should get uh shirts that say whores for horror movie scores. Whores for whores, the yeah. horror horror movie scores. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, what? I'm like, don't talk to me. <laughs> you're like, like I've been you're shit. like, I've been drinking a little too much today. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of much today. <laughs> oh man. But but yeah, that's both our number twos, correct? Yeah, and I, I think our number one is gonna be the same too. Yeah, so. I think I think it's the poster on my back wall, and I think it's a movie that John Carpenter did. Yep. And I think it's his heck directorial debut. And I mean, I think we can just say it on the count of three for the first time ever. We'll have a dual reveal at number one. Yes. One, two, three. Assault Halloween on Precinct by- 13. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Body it's Halloween. Bags. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely for sure. Halloween. I mean, there's, I mean, it's my favorite horror movie of all time. It's perfection. It's just like, yeah, I, I just, I always get in these weird, rabbit hole thoughts of like what would happen if halloween never came out where would we be uh scream wouldn't have come out that's Um, what i'm saying it's like where where would we be like we we'd probably just i don't know it's just it's one of those like movies like i know we talked about before but if ashton kutcher and butterfly effect went back took that away that movie i'd be very interested to see where we were yeah i don't think we would have friday the 13th we wouldn't have which i mean to me is not that big of a loss but I, I do like Jason Voorhees as a character, so we wouldn't have like the iconic character of Jason. So there's that. Uh, we probably wouldn't have Nightmare on Elm Street. We probably wouldn't have like. Wouldn't have a lot of stuff. We wouldn't. We definitely would not have Scream. I don't think. Because no. like you watch Scream, and that's like a direct fucking like inspiration from Halloween. Like Kevin Williamson, like you know he watched like Halloween is like his favorite movie. Like you can just tell. We like, always joke about being the pumpkin spice of everyone's favorite horror movie. It's like, who doesn't like it? And it's like, there's a reason for that, people. Yeah. And yes, I know Texas Chainsaw came out before Halloween, but there is a huge difference. Like, they're yes, they're both slashers, but it's like they're different movies entirely. In quality, for sure. So. Yeah, so it's just, it's one of those things that's like, I mean, what did Carpenter get from Texas Chainsaw? Who knows? But they're completely different. Like, I mean, yeah. they're such different, vast movies. Like, this is, uh, I don't know. Everyone knows Halloween. If you don't know Halloween, it gives us our fa- my favorite character of all time and Michael Myers. gives yes. us Laurie Strode. It, you know, launched John Carpenter, who not only did that, but did the thing, did, you know, Assault on Precinct 13, except for China, like body bags. Like he's just done so much. And yeah. just John Carpenter's vampires. Like we can go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> and he's also a great composer. Like, I think that's why John Carpenter's like my, like, oh my God, he's my He's he's my like horror god because he does everything. Yeah. He's not only a fabulous director, he's a fabulous composer, he's a fabulous writer. Like Yeah. Yeah. That's what else are you going to say about Halloween, man? Cuz I, I don't <laughs> know what else. The I mean the fucking cinematography in this movie. Like what? Like I want this is like another movie that 
I watch and I'm just like, I cannot fucking believe this was made in 78 because it looks like so fucking good. It was, it looks like a movie that was ahead of its time. Like I fucking love the lighting in this movie. Like you get like those blues, like those dark blues, the fucking, the way they put Michael Myers in the shadows of this movie. Oh my God. It's like, I'm having like an orgasm just talking about this movie. So it's like, yeah, that's the shape to you. That's another thing. Like, that is the shape. Yeah, it's the shape. You know, it's it's just everything about this movie. It's like so inspiring. Like it was made for nothing. It was just made with a lot of detail and a lot of hard work yeah. and a lot of sacrifice from a lot of people on the set and stuff because they all had one cohesive idea of let's make a bomb ass movie. Yeah, and and you don't get that George. a lot. You don't get that oh. a lot with movies because like I feel like in nowadays it's like all about the fucking money and sometimes people are just there to get a paycheck and go home. Like. That, that and that's why that's another reason why I fucking love this movie so much is because like Jamie Lee Curtis talks about like she's never experienced a film like this since Halloween. Like she's never experienced like such a family dynamic as she did with Halloween. Like everybody fucking helped with everything. Like Jamie Lee Curtis would go pick up leaves with the crew after they were done filming shots. Like, you know, people wouldn't do that nowadays. Like fucking Angelina oh. Jolie wouldn't be doing that. She'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not doing that. That's that's grunt work or, you know, like not to say Angelina Jolie would actually be like that. I don't know her personally, but it's just like, I, I feel like personally. that's the mindset in this day and age where it's just like, I'm not doing that. That's not my job. And it's just like, that's a job opportunity for somebody. Yeah. That's, that's, like, that's, that's um job security for somebody else. And it's just like, <laughs> I just feel like that's so sad that that's how it is because it's just like, this movie just feels like, so much you know like you said so much dedication so much love went into and it's and it's funny because halloween is such a basic bitch concept yeah. like the concept of a killer escaping like an insane asylum and uh, stalking babysitters it just like the concept itself the, halloween could have easily been a really bad movie Oh, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons it's number one for me. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, I know we talked about it on your podcast, but it's very similar to a movie that came out this year, The Menu. Could have been fucking horrible. But yeah. like when you have good direction, you have good acting, you have a great story, it's it's going to work. Yep. Like no matter how silly it sounds or how derivative or how basic it sounds like. And I, and I agree. And I think that's why it's number one. You know, she says it was such a family thing. And I think a lot of that, that all comes from direction. When there's a big cohesive thing, you know, that's that's direction. Yeah. Especially for somebody like John Carpenter that is such a big personality and like, you know, he just has a way of like the way he speaks and talks, like it's just like motivating. So I, I've I've always really enjoyed Carpenter. I, I know he's a very cantankerous person. I, I know a lot of people like, don't meet him. <laughs> Like yeah. a lot of people are like, he's kind of, he's kind of pompous like, and a little arrogant, yes. but, but you know, but when you can back it up, like, I mean, it's like, okay, well tell me where the lie is. <laughs> like, well, I what did I mean? make Halloween in the thing. So I have, <laughs> and I have much, credential much and the fog. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, yeah. It, it goes on and on. And he's like, do you want me to keep going? So it's, it, it's just one of those proverbial things where it's like, well, he's a jerk. And it's like, yeah, but yeah. he has the right to be because it's kind of like he shouldn't take advice from anybody. He's John fucking Carpenter. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You should listen to him. When you meet him, you say hi, introduce yourself and let him talk. Like, what yeah. What are you going to tell John Carpenter? And like, the other. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I also like the fact that, like, he's not one of those directors that is in it just for the paycheck either. Like, he he didn't want to make another Halloween film after the first one. Like, he was done. No. Like, he he. 
and I mean, obviously he had to have known like the lucrative like opportunities of like how successful the first one was. So like in his mind, he could have been like, oh my God, yeah, I want to make another one. I want to make more and more and more. He literally wrote the second one and he said, this is on, it is on wax. He I was drunk. Said, I, I, I was drunk. I wrote the second one because I was pissed off because they didn't pay me for the first one. I felt like I deserved more money. And he did. So yeah, it, well, for sure he did. Everyone did on that movie. It's like one of the greatest movie, greatest movies of all time, let alone horror. So yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, go get your money. Go get the bag. Secure the bag. Yeah. He wanted Halloween like, and he's always said he always wanted Halloween to be more anthology. Yeah, like, it would be like Michael Myers, then it'd be like Season of the Witch. He wanted to do a werewolf one, like he wanted to do vampires. Like that's why we got John Carpenter's vampires later down the line. That would have been cool. I mean, again, what an interesting storyline we would have had if that was it. But again. Again, the butterfly flaps his wings. He wanted his money from the first one. We get <laughs> Halloween 2, and we're off and running. Which Halloween you know? 2 is just fucking amazing, oh, too. Yeah. Oh, Halloween God. 2 is awesome. Yeah. The, the first, the fir- in fact, I love Season of the Witch. I mean, it's me too. It's just it's just the fact that they put Halloween in the name, I think, is why people mm, have like such, qualms with it. Yeah. But again, I'd much ra- if I'm not going to get Michael Myers, I'd much rather watch that than Halloween ends. <laughs> A hundred out of a hundred times. hundred out of a hundred times. Aubrey, call I, don't, I don't know if you guys know this, but Aubrey really, really loves Halloween ends. Halloween ends. About as much as Michael loves Jeepers Creepers Reborn. Um, so <laughs> it's about in the same yeah. for all of us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's Halloween. I mean, it's, yeah, maybe that's chalk, but fuck you. I mean, it's, it is what it is. Hey, I mean, I, uh, we can be as subjective as we want. There's a reason it's number one on both our lists. And it's probably number one for a lot of people. Yes. So, and we'll uh, always be people's number ones. Like, yeah, it's never going anywhere. Never, uh, never, ever, ever. I just never, ever, ever. Mount Rushmore starts and ends with Halloween. So, yes, yes. If and you ask me. And like you said, we got like such an iconic character with Michael Myers. Like he's so fucking scary. And like the fact that like even even the mask is so simple. Like the story's simple, the mask is simple, the you know, everything about the concept is simple, but it's so elevated because of all the hard work and dedication that went into making it. And not to mention on a fucking $320,000 budget. Now that sounds like a lot of money to me and to probably you as well, Aubrey. I could make a movie with $320,000, but it's like $320,000 back then was like probably a million dollars now. So it's like, they, I mean, and they even talk about how like it was such a small budget, like it was literally a shoestring budget. Like they literally went to the mall. Like Jamie Lee Curtis talks about how she got all of her outfits at Sears. Like she bought all the outfits that she wears in the movies. There was no costume department. There was no fucking like they had to dress themselves. They had to come to set with what they were wearing, you know, like just shit like that. And like, it's just such an inspiration to me. Like this movie is so much more than just a movie. To quote Harry Styles, it feels like a movie. <laughs> it's and a spits on, it's yeah. on Chris Pond. <laughs> The thing that I love about this movie is that it feels like a movie. <laughs> uh, it's a uh, movie. Chris Pine is like, Chris Pine is like got Buff for this. What the hell happened? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, that um, but yeah, no, like this this movie feels more than just a fucking movie. Like it just feels like a love letter to anybody who wants to make a film like this film i feel like you can watch this film and be like you know what i can make that too and it's just the so playbook inspiring has been written the playbook has been written there it is yeah that's it it's not in great artists such as john carpenter and other people money budget doesn't matter any obstacle they're going to be so creative they're going to find a way to overcome that yeah 
i.e. Jamie Lee Curtis helped him pick up, you know, fucking leaves for it, i.e. he composes everything, i.e. he probably edited pretty much almost all of it. Like, yeah, that's that's and again, you know, that's just the beauty of it. Like you said, it's just so grassroots. It's so guerrilla. It's so less is more. It's like if you write it down on paper, what this movie is, what it did and stuff, you'd be like, how? Yeah. And then you watch the movie and you're like, that's how. And it's like, like let's it, it, let's all work together for like this yeah. common goal. And that common goal is to make a good film that people all are going to movie. enjoy. Yeah. And like the fact that they like all pitched in, like helping paint the house and like making the Myers house look new, like brand new after it was like all dilapidated and shit. Like that's just like such dedication. And I don't know. I just, I love this fucking movie. I love it. I love well, it. Ever- it, 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 I don't. I don't think I've ever met anybody who doesn't love Halloween. I, I I know there's some people that are like, well, they like certain things more in Halloween, but I don't think I've ever met somebody that's like, nah, I didn't like Halloween, especially yeah. as a horror fan. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you ask my mom, she's like, I didn't like it. <laughs> she, Ooh, she's like more it. like Disney. She's like, oh, I didn't like it. It's kind of stabby for me. But <laughs> yeah, but that's just not for her. That's cool. But yeah, so it's been a long episode. This is such a hard list to come up with oh my god do you want to do you want to recount our list just so the listeners know our top 10 and then you know this is going to kind of become a theme in a series here for sure yes too much than just 10 to talk about do you want to go first aubrey or do you want me to go first oh i can go first i got right okay i'll let you go first my top 10 beginning at number 10 um and again just to reiterate if you guys aren't aware you've listened this long but this is our our top 10 horror movie directorial debuts number 10 is cabin fever for eel roth number nine is the sixth sense for m night shamala number eight is the loved ones by sean byrne number or sorry that was number eight number eight is the loved ones by sean byrne number seven is get out jordan peele number six ridley scott's alien number five is the witch robert eggers number four is the shining Number three, Vroom Vroom Vroom, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Toby Hooper. Number two, Hereditary, Ari Aster. Number one, granddaddy of them all, John Carpenter's Halloween. Michael, please recount <laughs> your list, please. Okay, so at number 10, I have Lake Mungo uh, by Joel Anderson. For number nine, I have The Skeleton Key from Ian Softley. Uh, eight, I have Watcher from Chloe O'Connor. Uh, seven is The Babadook from Jennifer Kent. Uh, number six is the Blair Witch Project from Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez. Number five is It Follows from David Robert Mitchell. Number four is Alien from Ridley Scott. Number three is The Shining from Stanley Kubrick. Number two is Hereditary by Ari Aster. And Halloween. Uh, number one is Halloween by John Carpenter. Great one, sing alike. Swish, yeah. it is number one. Please plug your podcast again. Please tell them because you got the director of Blair Witch coming on soon. So please plug that again. Cause that's very exciting. I do. I'm very excited. Um, so yeah, that, that episode's going to be coming up very soon. Uh, I also have an episode coming up with my friend from, I was a teenage horror film snob. Like he's really cool. I don't know if you've talked to him at all, Aubrey. Um, no, I, I have not, but he's a really cool guy. I have an episode coming out tomorrow. Actually, I'm releasing that episode tomorrow. So that'll be out tomorrow with him. And, uh, yeah, you can find me at the wheel of horror podcast. I'm on Instagram, TikTok. Uh, I have a YouTube channel called anything and everything horror. Um, and yeah, I talk about horror stuff on there as well. I've done a couple of trailer reactions and I also did a tier ranking list of like all the movies that I've, all the horror movies that I saw in 2022, I, I put them in a tier list, which was so much fun. I'm, I cannot wait to do another tier list because those are so fun. I've never done one before and I've seen a lot of horror YouTubers do it. So I was like, oh my God, I have to do that. Um, 
and yeah, so that's er- anything and everything horror is my YouTube. And then everything else is just the We Love Horror podcast. You can find me on there. And yeah, thank you so much, Aubrey, for letting me come on. This episode was such a blast. I cannot well, wait. You're going to be back soon. So. I can't wait yeah. for part two and three and four and three, five four, and six five, and maybe six, seven. And eight, nine, ten. <laughs> The yeah. Best of the best. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? If we're still kicking it by then, you know, we might be dead and in the dust. <laughs> oh, that's true. I'm yeah. saying if the earth explodes, I'm not saying because of us. I'm oh, okay. I thought you were saying explodes. if we're even friends still. And I was like, oh, no, I no, mean. that's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm <laughs> saying, I'm saying along the lines of if the world explodes or, you know, World War Eight happens by then. Oh, okay. You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> who knows good. what we'll be doing in, the, in 10 years from now. But yeah, Michael, I appreciate you coming on, man. As always, you know, I'm sure we're going to collaborate in the near future. So for sure. You know, we're, you're going to be here. I'm going to be on your podcast. You're going to be here. We're just going to be, stay chopping it up about horror. So definitely, and I appreciate appreciate the time. It was a great list. It was a great episode. Long, a lot of great insight and a lot of fun too, man. So definitely, appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you and thank you so much, Aubrey. This was so fun. Thank you, thank you. Well, the, the last thing is, I know it's a lot of fun, but you are stuck with my cringy outro, and you cannot escape <laughs> me until I say it. And that is, please stay scary, people. <laughs>